is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouths. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, for a new show of the Sports Lab Mouse. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is going on, my friend? Happy baseball opening day, everybody. Not looking uh, great at the start of the season as a Mets fan with all the injuries they have, but... What did I tell you about the Mets? Do I have to repeat myself over and over again for you Mets fans to understand this? Well, yeah, that's it, it's a vicious cycle. If you want to put a it a vicious as a cycle, every time the Mets make a move, they bring in a free agent. They all seem to get hurt. They never stay healthy. We've seen this over and over and over again for the Mets, and this is going to continue, continuously keep on happening. Every single person, every single player that Steve Cohen brings in, doesn't matter how much they spend for them, they're going to get hurt. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. In a couple of days, we're going to be hearing about Sterling Marte. Okay. So, <laughs> I Who already mean, got caught stealing tonight. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. But I'd still he only got caught five times last year and already first stole base attempts with the bats after having 47 out of 52. It year. is because he's a Mets. That's why. But we have a great show lined up for you guys. At 9.30, we'll be talking to B-Roto fantasy football writer Luke Renton. And at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to uh, sports... What is this? Sportinarium. Uh, uh, this is stupid. Uh, just... We'll be talking to Mets and MLB analyst Rob Morasca. Okay, I, I, I don't know why you do that. If, if if it doesn't make sense, why even put it up there? Anyways, um, so we'll have that. We're going to get into uh, you know obviously opening day for the Yankees and the Mets. The Yankees, of course, get pushed off until tomorrow, uh, where they'll be playing the Red Sox all weekend long. Uh, the battle of the American League East, which I, I think the Yankees have a better chance of winning the American League East uh, this year than the Red Sox do. But again, nobody thought the Red Sox were going to have a season like they did last year, and they winded up getting all the way to the American League Championship. So anything is possible. You don't need great pitching to get there uh, throughout the season. And and. Remember, the Red Sox had uh, one of the best staffs in the first half of the season and fell off the second half of the season. So we'll get into, obviously, what we think is going to happen. We'll make our predictions on who and what is going to happen in the National League, in the American League, uh, this coming year. And if you're playing fantasy, I, I'll name my five top players that you should be looking to draft if you haven't 
already if you haven't drafted already. So uh, we will get into that as well. Uh, we will get into, yes, uh, it seems like Debo Samuel is not very happy with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not surprised. Uh, where obviously he's looking on his looking for his way out of San Francisco because now he has defriended himself from the San Francisco 49ers on Twitter. So what does that mean? Who knows? But usually when you see something like that, it usually means a rough patch over there. I think he wants money. I don't think they're willing to give it to him. So if they're not willing to give it to him, trade him. That's what I think. But we'll get into the Debo Samuel situation. The Anthony Davis sweepstakes. It seems like it is going to be a sweepstake moving uh, at the offseason. And I think there's a lot of chances where, you know, teams like the Knicks, teams like the Utah Jazz, if they're looking to trade uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, There's a lot of conversations right now that Donovan Mitchell wants out of the Utah Anthony Davis looks like he could be on his way out, knowing that LeBron James could be on the move in the next two or three years when Bronny gets into the NBA. So a lot of interesting stories already we're talking about basketball offseason. So we'll get into a little basketball, a little bit of hockey, which uh, the hockey playoffs start in like a week and a half, two weeks. It's crazy. Uh, So we have the uh, NHL playoffs about to happen. So. Why don't we get into some baseball because we have a lot to talk about with that. And we're going to have an MLB guy coming on in a little while. But I think when you look at the Mets and and there's a lot of interesting stories that we can get into with the New York Mets. Uh, The injury situation is definitely going to be uh, on their side all season long. And I mean on their side because it's been uh, not a very good sign year in and year out for the New York Mets. And either for the New York Yankees either. But you, you see this Jacob DeGrom thing. I, if you guys haven't checked out the uh, Errol Mark Sports Factor on YouTube, check it out. I've got a new YouTube channel where I'm going to do tidbits on different topics throughout the season, not only just in baseball, with hockey, football, boxing, everything. And, and I'm going to go back and forth on all different sports. But with the New York Mets, there's just no short thing. And I am not a Met fan. And I know a lot of people that listen to this show know that I am not a New York Met fan. But the problem with the Mets year in and year out is injuries. And landing Max Scherzer, you were expecting if Jacob DeGrom is not going to be pitching on open day, you would think that Max Scherzer would be. Wouldn't you think? $43 million for the next three years. I mean, never been hurt really his whole career. We were talking about him. We had how many national, you know, Washington national guy guys or girls that are analysts on our show in the last couple of months, and they say Max Scherzer is a slam dunk. He's never been hurt. Blah 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 blah. And what did I tell them? I said that every single player that goes to the New York Mets never stay healthy. Never stay healthy. And what happens before a week before the season? Max Scherzer pitches, he pulls a little bit of a hamstring, and he could be out for the first week of the Major League season. Didn't you say it was uh, Charlie Slows that broke it to you as well? That yes. Max Scherzer was Yes, he did. I was on the phone with Charlie. Me and Charlie were having a conversation, and he says, oh, here we go. And he says, Max Scherzer, a partial hamstring tear, well, hamstring pull, he could be out for his first start, maybe his second start. So – it's interesting when you talk about the Mets and the health situation. So who's on the mound tonight in week one? Right now it's Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill. And Tyler McGill, who a lot of people thought weren't, wasn't even going to make the team in spring training. 
So the fact that he is there starting, he's their number one pitcher on opening day, is definitely going to be a trivia question in a couple of years. That's for sure. <laughs> yep. Because you would think that if Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom and and obviously, uh, what's his name again? Ba- Bassett. Bassett, yeah. Bassett is uh, in their rotation. One of those guys are starting in week one, uh, you know, game one. Yeah, quite a trivia question. Who Who is the first starting pitcher for the Mets in Buckster Walter's managerial tenure? <laughs> Tyler McGill. Just what every Mets fan was hoping for. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because this is the Mets' new – New problems, but also old problems of injury management, especially with pitchers. We've seen them rush pitchers back all the time, both veteran pitchers and young pitchers, and they've had a lot of issues. You talk about somebody like Johan Santana when he came over from the Twins. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He goes to the Mets, has two very good seasons his first two years, but then since then he had a lot of injury issues, and they always rushed him back. They overused him in certain seasons in 2010, and after his uh, Tommy John surgery in 2011, really was never the same after that, even in 2012 when he threw that no-hitter. And then the same thing with all their young guys. Zach Wheeler had two bit major injuries. Matt Harvey had two major injuries. Noah Syndergaard, it seemed like, was always hurt and never developed fully with the Mets because the Mets just don't know how to injury manage. So hopefully that changes with a more competent manager of Buck Showalter, but still... Between cycles of training staffs and cycles of bad GMs, it seems like this problem never goes away. So. It's so funny because I, I, I was just talking to Brittany about this uh, before we started the show. And I said, look at the Kardashians. They're all over Yahoo. They're always on Google. They're, they're, they're always a hot topic, a hot story, which is ridiculous. Who cares about the Kardashians? The same thing with the Mets. But it's always bad. Every time you see a post about the Mets, if it's on ESPN or if it's on MLB.com or if it's on NewYorkMets.com, it's always something bad. It's never good. It's never good. It's, and it seems like that's the way of the world now. When it's a hot topic and it's a hot story and it's drama, it's the New York Mets, just like the Kardashians. We should just call them the Kardashian Mets. That's what they are. Let's hope that no one and another players start dating any Kardashians. Because we well, know how that works for the NBA players besides Devin Booker. I, I, they're not into any baseball players. They like basketball yet, players. But who knows? And now they like guys that were, have a lot of tattoos. So uh, it, it seems like it transitions. You know, they go from one to the other. It doesn't make any sense. Hopefully the Mets don't have any uh, bands. Again. Uh, hopefully the Mets have, don't have any guys with tattoos on them. But who knows? Well, everybody's got tattoos. I mean, 90% of the people in this world probably have a tattoo that plays professional sports. I well, mean, Jose Altuve claimed he has a tattoo when he... He didn't allegedly uh, rip his jersey off to say he wasn't cheating. Yeah, okay. Well, good for him. Good good for Jose Altuve. But, I, I, I mean, when, when you think about the Mets right now, as a Mets fan, I know it's early. It's the first game of the season, and nobody's going to jump off a plank and, and want to kill themselves. But this has always been a topic for the New York Mets. It's health first, health second, and everything third. It just it never transitions right for the New York Mets. They always have the bad luck. Now, the question is, are are there certain hitters going to actually hit this year? With Marte now in the lineup, he's, he got caught stall- stealing already early in the season. He's been caught five times last year, like you were saying, Speedy. Now he's been caught his first game. And you talk about even Pete Alonso. He started off very slow last year. Right. So how quick is he going to start? Lindor, who really didn't start hitting until the second half of the season after the All-Star break. He needs to get hot. He hit very well in the uh, you know, spring training, but spring training means nothing. Right. You're, not even, you're not really even playing against good hitters. So, I mean, pitching, I mean. So you, you think, when you look at the Mets right now, the question is, are these players and every single one of these players actually going to take it to that next step where they're 
considered a top team in the National League, Speedy. Yeah, they're going to definitely need that in terms of a level of consistency because there were points last year, too, where there were only certain guys hitting. When Baez first got to the Mets when he got traded from Detroit, he hit very well. Nobody else hit around him. Then Lindor, there was a stretch where he was the only one hitting. Then the last month of the season, it was Alonzo. They they can't have that kind of thing if you want to win in today's game. You need depth to win in today's game, no matter how your roster is currently constructed. You look at a team like the Braves that won the World Series last year. They traded for all those outfielders. They weren't the best player on paper of any of that of that lineup. Not, not with that infield that was so good on paper. Not with somebody like Freddie Freeman who's gone, now, now gone, but now they have Matt Olson. But it was those guys that stepped up for them in the playoffs. You look at the you, you, you look at even the Nationals when they won the World Series. Their team wasn't great on paper, but they had lineup depth. They didn't have guys that were easy outs. And the Mets have to make that kind of adjustments this year when it comes to managing the depth. Tonight's starting lineup, they had J.D. Davis as a D.H. and Robinson Cano as a second baseman. Oh, Guys, God. Yeah. Now, I, I found out that Davis has good numbers against Corbin. That's why they were doing it. But, again, those are two guys that are on the downtrending right now. J.D. Davis had that great first year in 2019 when Brody initially brought him in. And there's been all downhill spiral ever since. Hits lefties well, okay, but still regressed in that area last year. And Robinson Cano hasn't done a lick since he's come to the Mets. So, who knows what they're going to get out of him. And, apparently, they're playing him at second base, too, which I don't know if I necessarily trust either. And then there's the Yankees. Obviously. Obviously getting pushed off till Friday opening day against the Red Sox. And starting the season without a contract with Aaron Judge, that seems to be the story. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, which quite possibly could be a problem because if he's an unrestricted free agent, he can go anywhere he wants. And Brian Cashman going into the season, Yankee fans are not happy with him because he is the face of this team. He's one of the faces of baseball. He is your best player, and he is going to the season. And it's not phasing him. Why would it phase him? Because in the offseason, he could decide if the Yankees don't pay me, well, I'll go to the Braves, I'll go to the Mets, I'll go to St. Louis. Somebody's going to give me a $200 million contract because I'm Aaron Judge. And going into this season, if he hits 30 to 35 home runs and 100 RBIs, you best believe he's going to get a $200 million contract. Now, obviously, we talk about these tier of corner outfielders not getting the money. Right. But if he becomes an unrestricted free agent, somebody is going to pay him big money to go to their team. And the Yankees, as we see, and I, I've been reading stories that the Yankees are going to be hard after Juan Soto in the offseason. You cannot lose Aaron Judge and expect to make a trade for Juan Soto in the offseason. Now, I, I, I know they, they think very highly of Volpe. Uh, he's going, some people think by the end of the season, he could be the number one prospect in all of baseball. Okay, he's number 10 right now. But that, you cannot look at these future superstars because sometimes they don't pan out. You have a superstar here with New York. He's been doing very well. Last year, he, he hit 280, 289. He hit 30 semi home runs and almost 100 RBIs. He was your best player. He played almost 140 games last year. You cannot sit here and tell me right now. And I, I, I've been sticking up for Brian Cashman forever. Forever. And I think he's the best GM in all of baseball. But you're going into the season when he doesn't have a contract. To me, that as a Yankee fan, you should be worried. You should absolutely be worried right now because, yes, you're paying John Carlos Stanton over $300 million. You're, you gave Garrett Cole the $300 million contract, and now you have a player that has been the face of your organization. He's been nothing. He's said nothing but good things, and no, he's never thrown the team under the bus. And he's sitting there saying, "Why? when am I going to get my money? When am I going to get paid? If I was the Yankees right now, I would do everything in my possible will before the All-Star break to give him what he wants. 
You wonder two things with Aaron Judge, because he did a little bit of this last year, and that was playing center field. You wonder if that could help his status as a whole, too, because he did a lot with when Hicks was hurt. But Hicks is back now. We'll see if that lasts throughout the whole season. But the Yankees also have a lot of other outfield depth where they can maneuver so many other guys around. Now, I don't know if, how much that's going to impact his value, but that's going to be something that prioritizes more in comparison to a corner outfielder, especially since he's also going to be turning 30 years old at, by the time the season ends as well. Now, if they give him a contract in the middle of the season, seeing how healthy he is will be another question too, because last year he was very healthy. He played in 148 games, had 550 at-bats, and had a great season. He had the Aaron Judge-esque season that we've seen when he, was, when, when he first came up to the Yankees. So that is a very good sign, because he's going to warrant a lot of money elsewhere too and that's something that Brian Cashman is going to have to keep in if mind. If he goes so. to free agent speedy, free agency, he's getting a $200 million yes, contract. Yes, that's what I'm thinking too because he's a big name. So, another team that might not be as big of a market as the Yankees are going to make him that face of your franchise type guy, the popular name that's going to get get fans to go watch him play because he's still one of the most polarizing popular names to young kids. He's a big, big top guy. five face of baseball. I would say so too. Yeah. Because of his, because of his image, another team is going to warrant that. So the Yankees are going to have to factor that into my, in mind too, when trying to judge if he goes to free agency in the off season, he's gone. If he goes before this season's over, season is over. And he said that he's not negotiating any deals until the season is over. If that happens, he will not be a Yankee next year. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet you. There's no way in hell the Yankees are going to extend him to a seven, eight-year deal. If they were going to sign and I've been hearing that he wants nothing less than a seven-year deal. Right. And I don't know if the Yankees are willing to do that. Now, if he goes to free agency, you are right. I, I think there are plenty of teams that will give him that kind of contra- contract. The Astros, I, they would love to stick it to the Yankees. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How about the Red Sox? <laughs> Another team. By the way, Aaron Judge grew up a Red Sox fan. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox squeeze right in there and steal Aaron Judge from him. So we've seen the Yankees do that with, uh, you know, A-Rod. Ellsbury, too. And, uh, yeah. A-Rod. The Yankees squeaked right in there and stole A-Rod from him. So why couldn't why couldn't the Red Sox do, you know, the big I, I F you and steal Aaron Judge from the New York Yankees? So it's quite possibly it quite possible it could happen. And it's not just the Yankees. The Angels will probably be willing to pay him money. They've they've overpaid for everybody else. Yep. Uh, Seattle's another team that's gonna have money that are willing to bring in another big superstar to their organization. There are quite a few teams. How about Texas after all the money they spent this offseason? They didn't spend all the money that they wanted to spend this offseason because of the strike or the lockout. So they could be willing to go after Aaron Judge and bring him to their team. To both teams that are NL Central contenders, too. Don't go well, out. The Brewers, who need, who could use some hitting, and the Cardinals, definitely another team that we've seen spend a lot more money than we've seen them do in the past, too. So there's going to be a lot of options. And you're right. I think if he does hit free agency, he's gone. He's more likely to get the longer length contract. He's seven gone. Years, he's not staying with the Yankees. Then if he were, then he, if he were to just do it with the Yankees, the Yankees, like you were saying with uh, Julian Galarte on Tuesday, you were, you guys were thinking that he might get the six year deal and more per year average annual value, which is definitely an option too. But the the difference is with Aaron Judge and some of the other. I guys. I think you're going to have to be willing to give him the seven eight deal before the season is over because if you let him go to free agency. There's no – I'm telling you, Yankee fans, I'm not trying to, to, to upset you or make you mad. I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm going to tell you this right now. If he goes to free agency, just just quote him to be gone. 
Because there's no way they're bringing him back. And Brian Cashman's going to be looking for a new job. Because if you're going to lose the face of your team and the face of one of the faces of baseball, just because you don't want to give him the extra year and you don't want to extend him the extra five to six million that he's probably going to ask for, then you're an idiot as an organization. So uh, Brian Cashman might be looking for a job too, especially if Hal sees his best player leave to another team, especially if he goes to the Red Sox. Oh, yeah. Definitely because of the Red Sox. That's going to be a really bad look for the Yankees for sure if that ends up happening. But even the Astros, too, a team that you're going to be competing with for a while, too. The Astros are still going to be good this year, you would think. And How about the Rays? I mean, I don't know if they'll spend the money, but the Rays... How about the Blue Jays? They're another team that would actually love Aaron Judge over <laughs> the there. Blue, the Blue Jays would do it out of pettiness. I don't know if it would necessarily be smart for them because they have so much hitting, but they need a lot of pitching. Chicago? Chicago's an option, so yeah, I could definitely see that. Even in the National League, too, it seemed like the Padres, you wonder if with the young talent that they have, they would be oh, interested. Oh, the Padres, definitely. Yeah, they would definitely be interested in something like Aaron Judge. Definitely. Reunited with Luke Voigt over there. <laughs> could you imagine Aaron Judge, Machado, uh, who's the shortstop? Uh, Tatis. Tatis. Cronenworth, yeah. and, 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 Myers, that whole lineup. Yeah, It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And eventually, as Aaron Judge gets older, you can move him to first base. Right. You know, so... He might even be their DH, too. Yeah, so... I I forgot DH is now implemented into the National League. So, to me... It's a sure. It's a sure thing that if he if he's a free agent, he bec- he gets into unrestricted free agent, uh, you know, possibilities. He is out on the New York Yankees. Yeah. I, I just don't see it. I and you wonder, it. and you wonder too, how the Yankees will have to who they're going to have to be able to pay in order to make sure that Aaron Judge gets paid, or if he doesn't get paid, is everyone else going to get paid too? Because you got. Gallo is going to be a free agent at the end of I think la- they would resign Gallo year. if they lose Aaron Judge. Right, they would have to resign. They have to prioritize yes. that money in another way. Are they going to prioritize it with maybe another trade deadline acquisition if they say trade for a Castillo or something like well, that? Well, what I would do is if you know that Aaron Judge is not going to be resigned at the trade deadline, I would trade him. Right. I mean, I would try to get as much as I possibly can for him because you can't sit there. Uh, expecting in the offseason he's going to choose the Yankees when he's going to get more money from somebody else. Yep. And I don't think the Yankees are going to – not that the they're, some other team's going to overpay for him over the Yankees because the Yankees have just as much money as anybody does in baseball. Sure. But I think the extended of a couple of years could definitely cause him to leave the Yankees because that's guaranteed years that the Yankees aren't going to give him. So, yeah, and you wonder maybe if he could be included in a, just a regular straight-up player-for-player trade, too. If the Yankees want to go trade for a star, maybe a a pitcher, starting pitcher at the deadline, or a relief pitcher or something like that, he might be included (laughs) in that kind of trade, too, where the Yankees might be able to warrant some other value in other areas, too. Because let's say the Yankees do have a very healthy team for the most part outside of Aaron Judge. Maybe Aaron Judge has an injury-prone season, yet Stanton stays healthy, and Gallo stays healthy, and Donaldson stays healthy. That doesn't matter. They're not the faces of the team. I know that. That's the problem. I I know that, but it still might warrant something where they It's not going to warrant anything. If you're a Yankee fan right now and you know you're going into the season without a, a, signed, a signed Aaron Judge, you have to be worried because there is, he already came out and said, he's already come out and said that he, him and his agent are not talking new contract until the end of the season, which means he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, which means he's probably gone. That's what I'm predicting. He is not going to resign with the Yankees yet next year. So uh, quote me on this. Aaron Judge, unrestricted free agent, gone. He is going to be gone. Fly like a birdie, because <laughs> I'm telling you right now, there's no way in hell 
there's the Yankees are going to extend him to an eight-year contract. No. That is something that Brian Cashman doesn't do anymore, especially with the Jacoby Ellsbury right. debacle. I think okay? it's because of that. He's reluctant since the Jacoby Ellsbury contract. The, the Stanton now, one was just accumulated. He gave, yeah. And he also gave Cole the seven, six, seven-year deal. Okay. But that's a pitcher, right. and, and that's a pitcher they absolutely needed. They don't, The Yankees always believe that they can find a bat in that lineup. Look what they did. They brought in Marin Gonzalez. Everybody keeps saying, why did they bring him in? Look what he did with the Red Sox. Look what he did to the Astros last year. And what does he do? He hits like a he hits like a bandit with right. the Yankees in spring. I know it's spring training, but you watch. If he gets hot this year, look. Look who Brian Cashman finds again. He finds a guy that wasn't hitting for another team. He comes to a, the Yankees organization. He hits Gio, Gio Arshala did that. Didi. Didi yep. Gregorius did it. We've seen this. So he seems to find the right bats at the right time, but he never finds the right pitcher at the right time. As we know what happened with Garrett Cole in the wild card game against the Red Sox last year. So, and I, I, I love what Garrett Cole says. He loves that he's playing against the Red Sox in opening day. That's not going to bring back losing against the Red Sox in a wild card game where the Yankees overpaid for you to go into that wild card game and knock off the great and powerful now evil empire, the Boston Red Sox. So uh, going into the season, you expect the Yankees to be a better defensive team. They've added some good defensive uh, players. I think they're going to be much better defensively. I think the lineup has a lot more depth. Uh, less, I would say, less striking out. Uh, you know, obviously you still have Joey Gallo there. You still have Aaron Judge and, and, and obviously um, Stanton. Stanton that strike out a lot. Donaldson, he doesn't strike out a lot, so you're adding the bat, another bat that doesn't strike out a lot, who fouls off a lot of pitches. DJ LeMay, who's still in the lineup. Rizzo, uh, he, he doesn't strike out as much either. So He also traded Gary Sanchez, who struck out a lot too. Yes, so. and, they, and to me, I think their, their catching depth is much better than it was last year. So, I think that there are certain you know, aspects of where the Yankees are where you should be excited, uh, but also certain aspects that you're kind of iffy about. That bullpen, even though they've added some arms, I told you, Speedy, they're going to add four to five arms. Yep. They did that in the offseason. Uh, trades, I'm su- surprised they didn't bring anything from signings. It was more trades. But maybe they were trusting they want more younger guys rather or than maybe they all were, the veterans. They maybe they to. were trusting none of those veteran guys really fit to that roster yeah. and where they wanted to go with the analytics. So uh, it's it's very interesting where the Yankees and who the Yankees are going to be this year. I expect them to be a playoff team. I expect them to be uh, you know as much as Aaron Rod, Aaron Judge has said that he expects them to be a World Series championship competitive team. But we we expected that last year, and one game in a wild card game is not good enough as a Yankee fan. That's for sure. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to B-Roto, fantasy football writer Luke Renton here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouths. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Go to iOS, which is Apple. WWSRN is the search key. Or you could go to Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I mean, it's raining out here. It's disgusting. 
All the, the last two days have been disgusting. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. And it, it seems like we have a guy coming on in just one second. He's from England, so he knows all about disgusting weather. But uh, it, it never it, – it's warm one day. It's cold the next. I'd rather it stay cold than warm, hot, cold, rainy, snowy. I, I mean, it's icy. It, it never stays out of normal weather. So uh, I, I, I just – I'm terribly – um, cold-hearted when it comes to this stuff. But anyways, uh, we are now talking to B-Roto fantasy football writer Luke Renton. What's going on, Luke? Hey, man, you okay? I, I, I love the English accent, by the way. I love it, man. <laughs> I, so it, it's so interesting because I've been to England. I, I DJ'd yeah. out there. Uh, I was in London for about three months when I was in my 20s. I absolutely right. enjoyed it over there. The food's terrible. I'll tell you that. Oh, it is. It's awful. It's, it's awful. awful. <laughs> it's absolutely awful. But I, I actually lost like 30 pounds when I was there. Okay. I'm so. Not surprised, mate. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but, but I love it over there. It's a great city, great people, and they actually love us New Yorkers. Not every place loves New York people, but – over there in London, they like us, so I yeah. I, I love it. it. I love it. Yeah, I was up in New York a couple of times, so yeah, I've had great experiences out there. To be fair, so yeah, can't complain whatsoever. Well, I, the women love those London guys. That's for sure. They love the accents. Good try. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we get into uh, obviously? How did you get into B Roto and 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 obviously fantasy football? What started you? Uh, I mean, England over there. It's more soccer. It's more European football. How did you yeah. get into football over there i'll be honest it started probably well, about five years ago i started playing a bit of fantasy football with some workmates and through the back of that it was purely because obviously like you say over our way it's a lot more soccer so obviously i'll play in fantasy fantasy football through the soccer formats a few of the mates at work said why don't you get involved in some of the uh some of the fantasy football stuff so i did that Absolutely loved it. Got into red zone off the back of that, obviously watching it to make sure which one of my players were uh, performing every week. And rather than supporting a team, or more so just following my fantasy players. Right. And, and then I- the more I developed into the game, that, that's when I found a love for it. I've got an NFL UK season ticket at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And yeah, go to games every single year whenever I can. And yeah, I found a bit of a love for, for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh. So with them for the last five years, and yeah, the rest is history from there, really. You know, it's so funny. I, I talk about this on the show all the time. When it comes yeah. to basketball, when it comes to now, obviously, football, it, it's no no longer the love of the team. Now, it, now the new age of football and fantasy sports, it's changed the game. It's changed sports. Good because time. now you're not following a team. You're following a player. You're following your fantasy players. So Absolutely. you're not rooting for the team. You're rooting for your fantasy players. Sounds bad. There's been times I've even rooted against players against the, the Vikings purely because I need some points every week. So, yeah, I, I find myself on a weekend, on a Sunday. If the Vikings are on, as bad as it sounds, I'm watching Red Zone because I'm a lot more invested in my fantasy team the, than I am my my Vikings, as bad as it sounds. But, yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always keeping an eye on my fantasy players, seeing how they're getting on. And, yeah, that's the reason why I tune into Red Zone every week, really. So what is the overall consumption like of the NFL in England throughout experiences that you've had? I know they have the London games, I think now three times a year or something like that. I remember the first London game because I'm a Giants fan. It was in 2007 against Miami. So what is the overall consumption of it like from a cultural standpoint? It's yeah, it's getting a lot bigger over here. Uh, I'm going to say the amount of groups and different areas that I'm involved in in the UK. We've got our first fantasy football meet up in London this year. 
where we've got writers and really keen players coming from all over the country. So, yeah, so we're getting a lot, it's getting a lot more involved. Like you say, obviously, still got a bit of a catch up to do in terms of getting to the levels of, of soccer and all, all the other UK sports over here. But yeah, it's getting absolutely massive. Like I said, said, even Sky Sports have dedicated a channel purely to the NFL now. So it is a lot more in our face than what it used to be even just a couple of years ago, which is which is great. So, yeah, it's, it's actually took over probably the NBA in the UK. So that, that was a big, wow. big thing. Uh, and then obviously the NBA London games got took away from us and obviously the NFL's stayed and keeps growing and growing. Obviously with the Jaguars announcing the partnerships, in the UK, or even even my Vikings as well, that they're a dedicated UK partner as well. So, yeah, we're all getting a lot more invested in the game, big time. You probably we, don't want the Jaguars. <laughs> no, no, not, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> we are talking to B-Roto fantasy football writer Luke Renton. So, Luke, obviously we're talking about England, and it, it's late over there. What is it, like 3 o'clock in the morning over there? Yeah, coming up three o'clock. <laughs> there you go. It's late over there, and you're you're on a radio show. We really appreciate you joining us. So going into the off season, obviously there are certain players that are, are a lot of players that have moved to different spots, including quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson goes to the yeah. Broncos. I mean, uh, Khalil Mack goes to the the Chargers. I mean, uh, there, so many players have you know fled from the NFC and gone to the. Uh, to the AFC. The AFC had become yeah. a, a, a powerhouse. The NFC oh, is slowly yeah. but surely falling apart. And so it opens up a lot of possibilities for your Minnesota team over there. Oh, big time. Yeah, it's so, worked out pretty well for us. So, so going into the offseason and now they've jumped ship, what, is, what do you look for now that fantasy, uh, you know, the fantasy after the, after the draft, we're going to be talking about fantasy and what players to go after in fantasy. What do you see happening now that a lot of teams have fl- fleed to go to the FC, I yeah, like I said, obviously for Minnesota Vikings straight away, I'm looking at that thinking Aaron Rodgers has lost his main weapon, uh, and you look around him. MBS has obviously gone to Kansas. Straight away, that that wide receiver room for the for the for the Packers looks absolutely awful, uh, and it's one of those where for the Vikings in the NFC North, I, I don't see anybody better than better than better than us in that division, if I'm honest. Uh, it is that simple. So it opens it up a lot more for us. Did you? Which, are you? Yeah, are, did you? Um, did you hear what's going on with Odell Beckham? That Odell Beckham looks like he's going to choose Green Bay. There's nothing sure, sure yet, but it looks like it's yeah. going to be Green Bay. If that again, it really don't bother me. As you can see by the cut, this is this is my man. There's nobody better than that guy. And all that I'm going to say is, it, I know Chase has had all the hype and all that. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver. Oh, I just love everything about watching him week in, week out. Obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased on that front, but I really don't think there is a wide receiver in the game better than him at the moment. Over the last couple of years, he's put up consistent numbers ever since coming out of college into the NFL. So he, he is my guy. And yeah, I think obviously, even if the Packers do bring an OBJ, it really doesn't bother me. Right, really right now, me. he's uh, he's... Now we've seen this with OBJ, and then all of a sudden he fell apart because of injury. But yeah, Justin yeah. Justin Jefferson is slowly but surely he is he's moving towards obviously Jerry Rice kind of numbers. Now Jerry Rice, yeah. his numbers are better than Jerry Rice was in the first first oh, yeah, two yeah. years. So if yeah. Justin Jefferson can stay healthy and slowly but surely keep playing the way he is, he could go down as one of the greatest uh, wide receivers Absolutely. in football. Absolutely. No question. And- 
And you, you look at that as well. Obviously, Adam Phelan signed again. I'm a massive, massive fan of Irv Smith as well. Obviously, I know injuries last year ruled him out for the year. But you look at it now, obviously, if he's back fit and healthy, losing Conklin, he's going to play a big role in that offence as well. And Dalvin Cook, again, one of, one of the best running backs in the business. I think so he is. The, I, honestly, I'm just going to say what I – if Dalvin Cook could actually stay healthy – oh. Dalvin Cook is, to me, the best all-around running back in all of football. I completely agree. But agree. he doesn't stay healthy. Yeah. That's a problem. This is it. This is it. He misses five, six, seven games a season and play, and ends up dropping out of a lot of game time mm-hmm. as well. But if he stays healthy, you've got JJ on the other side, Phelan, and Irv Smith Jr. If he's back fit and healthy as well this year and comes up and pulls the potential I think he's got and shown, then, yeah, I think we got by far the best offense in, in the NFC. I think Tyler Conklin, losing Tyler Conklin will hurt them this year because. Oh, he, big time. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, a big, he was, he was a big blanket for Cousins this year. And um, he slowly but surely grew into a big target for Kirk Cousins this year. I was very surprised. And, 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 and the Jets adding two really good tight ends to that roster. Yeah, too. Uh, yeah. I, I think it was a very good. I'm a Jet fan, so I was very happy when I heard Tyler Conklin's coming to the to the Jets because they're going to use him kind of like a fullback type of player. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that's yeah. the type of player that they're going to use him as. And I'm very excited to see what these tight ends could do. Yeah, we all know why CJ went over, though. So, Adams. <laughs> so you as a Vikings fan, they brought in a new coach in Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Sean McVay coaching tree with the Rams an offense that just won the Super Bowl an offense. It's been very successful. So what do you think he'll bring not only as a head coach, but also to this offense, trying to get the boat, the mess, the most out of these players on this loaded offense, like you were saying? Yeah, for me, it is just purely just having we needed some fresh blood. It's as simple as that. Obviously, the same procedure for so so long. And looking at Vikings fans that I'm well connected with, they've all they're all the same opinion. It was just the same old, same old. And every year, rather than having a goal of trying to get to the playoffs and the Super Bowl, we're always try. Let's see if we can try and keep up pace with Green Bay. Which for a team, when you look on paper at our team, we shouldn't be. We should be the team who Green Bay are trying to. We're on par with or Green Bay are trying to keep up with, but. We've always had that mentality of just try to maybe win ten games, ten games a year. Which I think with the new coaching staff, obviously they're already hungry for it. I, I can see as really, I've said it all along, and a lot of uh, and a lot of other areas that I've spoke on, I can see, I can see the Vikings really pushing on for a, for a playoff spot big time this year and winning that NFC North. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to say, look at it. Patrick Peterson's resigned. That's an area that really did worry me with a cornerback spot. And I can see us really going in for uh, for a cornerback in in the NFL draft as well, which is coming up obviously. And I don't know somebody again. I know he had a good pro day the other day, but Derek Stingley's one that I'd really love oh, to see. Oh, there he's now. not going to be he's, there for them. He's uh, not gonna, he's not going to drop that far, no. which is a shame. Unless but, they trade up for him. Yeah, I'm going to say that that is an option. That is an option. But yeah, I, he was dropping down a lot of draft boards, mm. and then obviously he did his pro day. And I don't see I, I don't see him dropping past twelve. Uh, okay, no, so. No. If, no. if if I see maybe because right now I know the Jet now the Jets could trade out of that number ten pick if 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 Minnesota and Minnesota and the Jets have traded before the Jets traded yeah, yeah. with Minnesota last year yeah. to get Elijah Vera Tucker so yeah. maybe the Jets help out Minnesota and 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 return the favor for them but uh, I hope so I it, hope so it, Stingley it's, is is I'd go as far I know I know obviously the word gets thrown out a lot but he is he's got the potential to be a generational player really. In my opinion, he really has. 
As everybody knows, we are talking to B-Roto fantasy football writer Luke Renton. So we, we talked a lot about Minnesota. And yeah. going back to the AFC, and I, I think the AFC is stacked. I mean, you look at that division with Kansas City. At right now, going into the season, as of right now, Kansas City is probably the worst team out of the, the four or five teams in that division. Let's just Absolutely. go through the division. Las Vegas adds a new coach. They added a top-end wide receiver, some great defensive players in, in, in the Vegas um, uh, the Vegas o- o- Oakland uh, Raiders. I, I say the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> the Oakland Raiders. Then you have the Broncos. They added Russell Wilson. So yeah. you added the quarterback, which really was their weakness the last couple of years. Ever since Peyton Manning has been gone, they've always had a good, strong defense. They've always had uh, you know good young wide receivers. Now all of a sudden they have a, a quarterback. And I, I, one of the guys on our network, uh, you know our, our our home our our home of our show and our, our morning show. Uh, he he says that the Broncos, he believes, is going to come out of the AFC, which I'm very, very surprised about that. How about the Chargers with the defensive you know, prowess that they've added? They added uh, J.C. Jackson. They added, uh, obviously, uh, uh, what's his name? Khalil Mack. Mack. Khalil Mack. And, I mean, yeah. with that defense, I mean, with Durbin oh, James, I mean, it's – it's fantastic. They have the wide receivers back next year, uh, and also Eckler and that running back, and, and and obviously a very young quarterback that's becoming a superstar right in front of our eyes. I mean, awesome. that division is the best division in football. What do you what do you think about that division? I'm um, again, like I say, Kansas are the one that to me do look the week after losing Tariq Hill and. Bring it, I know Juju's obviously not a bad replacement, but you do look at the teams around them and they, they've all strengthened. Like I say, I'm, I, I've said numerous times to various other companies that I've spoke to, the Chargers are going to be the dark horse this year. Like I say, look, looking at their defence, absolutely insane. To have Khalil Mack, Bosa, JC Jackson, and then you look on the other side of the ball mm. and that offence they've got. And like I say, one of the best quarterbacks probably coming out in the last couple of years. They are going to be there or thereabouts. I'm not sold on the on the Broncos yet, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, again, Russell Wilson, he had a pretty it was pretty average year, but by any stretch of the imagination. So you look at that, and obviously the weapons he's got are they really? I know they're a lot more talented, but are they actually any better or any more well proven than what he had in Seattle? I'm I'm still still sat on the fence about that one, if I'm honest. So to me, obviously, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking. The worst, the worst of the teams there. You're probably looking at either Kansas or or Denver still. Really? But it is nice. It is a bit more convincing to see that Denver. Denver stacked defensively. They're they're stacked oh, yeah, defensively, absolutely. and, absolutely. and I, I think offensively they got the weapons. They just needed a quarterback to get them the ball. And by yeah. the way, they have a good running game. They have Williams still there, uh, a, to, yeah. a young running back that can run all over the field. I I think I think they're going to be very very good. I I think Kansas City's the dark horse in that division. As good oh, as. Yeah. As yeah. good as Patrick Mahomes is, there is no sure thing at their running game. Uh, I mean, who who's no. running the ball? I mean, yeah, draft... who, who's running that ball for him? And who who's he throwing the ball to? I mean, yes, he still has Travis Kelsey, which, by the way, they're going to have to pay in the offseason. And yeah. and they Juju Smith, Juju Smith Schuster is a good player. He, he's good. Yeah. He hasn't had a good season in three years. Now, are you expecting him to have 1,400 yards, being that yeah, Tyreek Hill's gone? I, I don't think so. And I'm not depending on Hardman. I'm not depending on any of these wide receivers that they have. Even MBS as well. He's not going to get the job done, is he? No. Well, so, and that, yeah. defense, that defense doesn't have the Honey Badger, who I don't think is signing back with them either. So going no. into the season, 
they're they're weak in so many ends. I, I, am I going to bet on them? I'm, I'm not putting a penny on them. <laughs> I'm not. As good I'm not as putting a penny. as good as Patrick Mahomes is, Patrick Mahomes has never been, uh, you know, really been under pressure. We've seen yeah. over the years. Brett Favre, he's lost wide receivers. He lo- he lost running backs. Brett Favre, and I'm not saying he's Brett Favre, but he's a gunslinger. That's what Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is more accurate than obviously Brett Favre, and he can yeah. run out of the pocket. He's got wheels. Pa- you know, Brett Favre didn't. And but, throw a lefty sometimes. Yes, but <laughs> I, Patrick Mahomes, we've never seen him be put in this position where he loses a significant amount of pieces because he got that big contract, and now yeah. he's got to be the it factor. He's got to be the playmaker where everybody That's says he's the best. Everybody says he's the best quarterback in the NFL. We've seen Aaron Rodgers do it. Aaron Rodgers yeah. did it with nobody. He was throwing yeah. the ball. Devontae Adams got hurt for that one game. Uh, and I think they played Minnesota. And yeah. and who, uh, how did they beat Minnesota? With third-string players, okay? No, so yeah, this is it. This yeah, is so, it. So he's, yeah, and this, it's, time for, it's time for Mahomes to step up yeah. and, and show us what he is made of. Throughout that whole time, throwing to Tyreek, is, it's, not a bad, it's not a bad luxury to have, is it? No, not at all. So I wanted to move to Tyreek's uh, new team, Miami, and also Devontae Adams, two, the two big receivers that got traded. So from a fantasy yeah. perspective, we've had a couple fantasy analysts that uh, love it for Hill and or love it for Adams and hate it for Hill so far. Where do you stand on that? Do you think they're better or worse fantasy values with their I new teams? Li- yeah, I literally just did an article on this for Five Yard Rush. Uh, at the time of writing the article, I absolutely hated it for Tyreek. And then... I wrote in the article, if Josh McDaniel uses him in that sort of Debo role that we've seen for the 49ers, I'm going to be all in. And again, it's slowly, since writing the article the other week, it's slowly come out that it looks like that might be the role for Tyreek. And if that is the case, then yeah, I'm, I'm still going in. Devontae, uh, Devontae Adams, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not overly against it in the fact that him and Carl played together at Fresno back in the day. So it, we all know that Devontae Adams likes a quarterback that he's got chemistry with. And you'd like to think if they played in college together, it won't take them too long to to sort of hook that back up. Obviously, I don't think we're going to expect numbers what we've seen at their old irrespective clubs. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It's one of those. I'm, I'm not against either, to be honest, at the moment. I, if I'm in fantasy, I'm all in on Devontae Adams. I'm all yeah, in I, because... Because Derek Carr, he knows them. These guys practice in the offseason together. I mean, exactly. they train together. He, yeah. he wanted him to go over there. It wasn't, it wasn't a surprise that he, no. he, he went to the Vegas, uh, uh, the Vegas, whatever, the Raiders. I, I, can't, yeah. I hate calling them the Vegas Raiders. <laughs> they're the Oakland goddamn Raiders, okay? Exactly. It, exactly. But, and so they're still <laughs> the second most popular team in L.A., though. Yes. So <laughs> honestly, honestly, to me, I uh, it wasn't a surprise. I actually made a prediction before the season's end last year. That's where he was going, and I was right yeah, about yeah. it. And yeah. I expect him to have 15, 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns, and be a big factor in Josh McDaniel's offense. Tyreek Hill, he's going to Tua. He's going to play with Tua. This is it. There is no guarantees what Tua's going to be. A matter of fact, is Tua going to stay healthy? Then they have to depend on Teddy Bridgewater, who doesn't stay healthy either. I mean, yeah. uh, this is a team, and by the way, this running game is nowhere close, okay? There's, they're, they're nowhere close as good as Jacobs is in that running game with the Raiders. I no. mean, Jacobs, no. to me, if Jacobs is 100% healthy, he's the best player on that Oakland Raiders team. He is the best oh, player. Really? 
even better than Devontae Adams. Okay? Yeah. It just, to me, he can't stay healthy. And, That's been his problem too. Yeah. And from a fantasy standpoint, obviously, we've seen him get a lot more involved in the, uh, in the passing game towards the end of last year, which Draft is, Jacobs. Everybody, you heard what I said. Yeah. Draft Jacobs because Josh McDaniels, he comes from the Patriot way. And what are the Patriots like doing? They like running the hell out of their running backs and having them catch in the backfield. So expect him to be an all-around running back this year in your fantasy on your fantasy team. Not only that, probably everyone's going to overdraft Jalen Rashard too because they're going to expect to use him like James White or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So another guy that's uh, actually Debo Samuel actually took away all the 49ers information off of yeah. his social media. So could they trade him? We'll see. Does he want to get paid over $20 million a year? Like trade him to so- my Jets, goddammit! It's very possible <laughs> with those connections. So is there a destination that you think Debo Samuel, outside of San Francisco, will strive for fantasy purposes because of the hybrid-type player that he is? Or, and do you see San Francisco bringing him back? For me, for yeah. I've not really thought too much of where he'd go purely because... I think he's going to stay at San Francisco. It's just a so he's seen everybody else around him getting paid, and he's just sort of throwing his toys out the pram, just as sort of a marker to say, actually, sort let's get this contract sorted. And I'll, I'll yeah, that, that's it. So I've not really thought of anywhere where he would go as such. To me, I just think he's it's all a marketing ploy just to obviously yeah, get that hype up for that big big payday that he's seen. Like I say, we've seen Diggs get the big money. And after the role he played for the 49ers last year, obviously uh, Debo thinks he's worth that money as well. So, or thereabouts, obviously he's not, but he thinks he's entitled to a payday, which obviously looks like is what he's trying to do. Uh, he's entitled for a lot of paydays. I mean, yeah. this guy has been, last year he was, to me, he, he was the third or fourth best wide receiver in all of football. And that's crazy to yeah. say when you look at the season of Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, and all the other Cup, – D- Jefferson, yeah. Cup. Yeah. I mean, all those guys. And, and he was the fourth best wide receiver out of all of them. He deserves yeah. – and to me, he's the best all-around wide receiver in football. You can use yeah, him as a running it, back. Right. You can use him as a, court, uh, a wide receiver. And you can even see him throw footballs and, and, and actually throw touchdowns, which we saw yeah. in the playoffs as well. So – I expect him to get a lot of money. Uh, I expect him if he doesn't get if he doesn't get at all for some time and before the draft. I could see them trading him. I, I absolutely yeah, could yeah. see him trading him. And and the team that I would love to see him go to is the Jets. But uh, you know, there's no short things with the Jets because they already made their move for DK Metcalf. It didn't work. Yeah. Tyree Kill. It didn't work. So what do the Jets have to do? You know what? You know what Joe Douglas should do is he he should sell everybody his dirty underwear and maybe he'll get him. <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't know what. Maybe he'll, he'll smell the Seattle Seahawks out so they can get D.K. Metcalf. I don't want D.K. Metcalf, by the way. And of all the different wide receivers uh, I've heard, I don't want yeah. him. I don't want him. As everybody right, knows, yeah. we are talking to B-Roto fantasy football writer Luke Renton. Um, so um, looking at your top five fantasy choices going into this year's fantasy draft, who do you got and why do you got him there? So when I my fantasy homework as such obviously I'll look at each position into where I'm going to be looking so straight away I'm looking at the quarterback position and for me obviously the go-to is obviously Josh Allen and all that kind of thing and even Patrick Mahomes is still going quite high I'm looking at Justin Herbert and even Joe Burrow as well towards the end of last season Joe Burrow was stacking up stupid numbers in terms of fantasy obviously when he was throwing 400 yards a game and all these touchdowns. He were, yeah, obviously. So I'm, I'm looking at those two players there as my as my go-to quarterbacks at running back. Obviously, I like a uh, receiving receiving running back, but there's only one guy you're going to be targeting at running back 
as if you have to, if your hands are tied, and that's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but away from that, if if he's gone off the board, I'm I'm all in on Austin Eckler as that receiving back. Again, I know he's had his injury problems, but I'm all in. Obviously, wherever I'm drafting, I'm going in for Austin Eckler. Uh, and at wide receiver, again, it's just the basics of I'm looking at those two youngsters every single time is Chase, Justin Jefferson, and that's it. And my big, big sleeper, uh, the tight end position, I've mentioned him already, already earlier on, is uh, Smith. I think he's going to have a uh, cracking year this year as well. Mm. So I sort of segment it into different areas and look at a couple of players that I'm going to look at. And I look at the benefits from a fantasy point of view. Like I say, at running back, I want somebody who's going to catch that ball in the backfield. And again, even looking at the rookies that are coming through, Brees Hall's the man that I'm going to be looking at as well, providing he lands at a right place. Uh, and again, I'm a big fan of Rashard White as well. He's another big uh, big passing back as well. You know, so you, you know, I, I think would be still later in the rounds is Deshaun Watson. Now, I, I think he's going to be... I think he'll be suspended for five or six games, but... You bring him back, the Browns, he, he's a running quarterback, he can throw. Yeah. I expect him with the weapons he has over there uh, to be an explosion right when he steps on the field. I think oh, he, if, if you have a 10th or 11th pick and you're picking your second quarterback, I would absolutely look in bringing in Deshaun Watson as your second Especially quarterback. Especially if you have an IR or like absolutely. NA slot on your Yeah, 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 format. that's it. So, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. So uh, my last question, one sleeper of any position of this year for fantasy football and one guy that you think is going to be overdrafted or drafted too high that's not going to produce as high as you think? Kind of touched on them both already. Obviously, we know my big sleeper is, I've said numerous times everywhere, that tight end position is obviously one where we struggle a lot with quite often tend to stream and pick and kick out players if you don't draft one of the top four or five draft, uh, tight ends. So my sleeper is, is Irv Smith, purely because I think he's going to get a lot of action, providing he stays fit. The player I'm avoiding this year is is actually Patrick Mahomes, purely because he's lost his weapons. And I don't think when you've lost somebody like a cheater, that, that that takes away a big, big part of your game. I know he's still got uh, Kelsey there, but yeah, like you say, obviously, I don't think he's going to produce anywhere near. And you, you look at the defense he's got, his defenses he's got to play against. He's going to struggle. He's going to struggle. <clears> so I'm 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 not in on Patrick Mahomes this year. As everybody knows, we are talking to B-Roto fantasy football writer Luke Renton. And before we let you go, I'm, I'm going to start uh, a fantasy uh, worldwide sports radio league this year. I'd love for yeah. you to join it. I, I, we're going to have a bunch of fantasy gurus I'm going to reach out to that are going to yeah. join it. We're going to have like a jackpot. Everybody will throw a couple of bucks in. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, being on this show, we like to talk crap and throughout our network. So, um, you know, usually uh, I'm pretty good at, you know, when it comes to fantasy. I, I do come in at time. This year has been my worst year. This past year was my worst year in fantasy. Really? Yeah, because all my players got hurt, like, in the first five uh, weeks. So I was, like, I was crawling to the finish line, okay? It was just – This is it. I, it was horrible. I, 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 ne- I didn't have any luck this year, but – this coming year, I'm going to outsmart everybody because I'm going to do some this crazy is it, mate. This is it. This is your year. I'm going to say, to be fair, I've never <laughs> seen so many injuries in a season. Ever. Oh never seen so many injuries. Watch in out. Uh, and I'll say this uh, on the jet. I'm not saying because he's a jet. Watch out for Uzma. I, I expect him to have a very big season for the New York Jets. I think the Jets are going to use him a lot, especially in that offense. So I really – I was very yeah. excited when I saw them brought Uzama. And uh, Uzama – is a guy that could do everything. So I, right, I expect yeah, yeah. him to have a good season. But we really appreciate you joining us, bud. 
And uh, we, time, we would love to get you on. I And I really appreciate you staying up 3 o'clock oh, in the morning over there in England. I'm say, it's, uh, it's time for bed, I think. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. When we do come to England, I, I love – to go check out London. We'll go out there and party together, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll sort Absolutely, out. man. Maybe we'll go to uh, the what, – what football games do we have in England this year? Speedy, you have, you have any thoughts? Uh, I know the Jaguars will be playing in one of those games. Yeah, we've got the Jaguars and the Green Bay Packers are over here as well for the first they're time. Not scheduled, they're um, not scheduled yet because the schedule didn't come out No, yet. but yeah, they're, wait, they're wait, one of the teams. The, ja- the Jaguars are always one of the teams, and I think Atlanta yeah. was rumored to have one too. The- Atlanta was last year. Yeah, but I think they're well, rumored to have another one again this year. Jaguars and Green Bay Packers so far. We're still waiting for the other teams. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, you know the, what? The Packers will be good. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll come out there and, and go watch a football game together, man. Absolutely, I would love it. Man. I, Absolutely. I, you know, why That'd not go cool. to London and go watch Luke, a football Luke game? Luke would love to go watch the Packers lose in London. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in on that. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that's, all, that's all we got to say about that. But, Luke, we really appreciate you staying up and joining us. Thank you, Neil. Absolutely. You're awesome. We'll get you on again. Speedy will reach out to you. Absolutely. Uh, really Great do stuff. appreciate it. As, as after the draft, uh, you know, maybe we'll add you to our draft show, and, and that'll be fun. Uh, we, do yeah, yeah, yeah. we do yeah, a draft show. We do a draft show, and we go through the first round, and we, we kind of, you know, we actually, we do our, you know, our top one to, to 31, we do our picks. Maybe we'll have you added into yeah. the stream. So we'll, we'll, we predict what's going to happen from one to 30. Derek so. Stingley yeah, to the Vikings cool. at 13. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, maybe could maybe could happen. It absolutely could happen. Is that where they're drafting thirteen? Thirteen, yep. Oh, so they could get Stingling. Absolutely, they could get Stingling. Thirteen to ten. I think the Jets would trade with them. Absolutely. Not a massive drop. Not a massive drop in the grand scheme of things. I, I think it's uh, I think I think it's doable uh, if they really want Stingley. I think Stingley is there at ten or eleven. That's why I think he's going to go. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that could happen. It could yeah, happen. it's changed a little bit, hasn't it? Now, so we'll see. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank Luke. Thank you, guys. All the best. Luke Renton, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Good kid. Uh, tired kid. I'll tell you that right now because 3 o'clock in the morning, stayed up for the show. I, I give him a lot of credit. What an accent, too, man. I mean, you love those English accents. Speedy, you think you could talk like an Englishman? Absolutely not. No, you're terrible at it. That's why I said that. I'm just not. not good. I mean, maybe we'll ask Rob. Maybe he'll he'll be better <laughs> at it when we come back for break. <laughs> I doubt it, but, you know, maybe he can give us that uh, – you know, I like it a lot. You know, like that, or uh, what? What is the word? Uh, what is it? You what like? Uh, what? 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 An English word that they like? Uh, um, fish and chips. No, they don't do fish and chips. They do. They no, do. they don't say that. They say something else. I, mate, I gotta, mate, mate, mate's good. Mate. No, what up, mate? It. I can't do it. No, what I up, can't, mate? I can't do it. <laughs> mate. Hopefully, Rob kidding. has better luck. <laughs> uh, Rob's better. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to Mets and MLB analyst Rob Maraska here on the Sports Loud Mouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouse. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. We are the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Sarah Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 I got to thank uh, Luke Renton for joining us. He was fantastic. And now... 
Our second guest of the night, we are now talking to Mets MLB analyst Rob Morasca. What's going on, Rob? How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Listen, I cannot do that accent. I have a New Jersey, New York accent, so there's no <laughs> way I'm doing that British accent. Well, I tell you, that's a deep accent <laughs> over there. Uh, I mean, Renton had some accent, but I, I love those English accents. Some of the things, you, when they when they speak, you, you know, English people speak, you just you, you can't comprehend on, on the words that they use because they use different words than we use over here in New York. And that's why they like our accents, and that's why we love their accents. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But the I matey thing, I think, is Australia. I don't think it's uh, England. So there you go. So anyways, um, so why don't we get into the Mets? And I, I'll say this going into the season, everybody thought that this was the best pitching staff in all of baseball. Everybody thought, hey, it's the Mets. Maybe they're, they're going to get some luck. Jacob DeGrom stays healthy for the whole season. Max Scherzer, who never gets hurt. He starts the, the home opening home opener while Jacob DeGrom is sitting out for the next four weeks. None of that happens. Both guys are hurt right now. Uh, and Max probably will start, uh, you know, after the fifth or sixth game. But uh, McGill starts. Who would have thought that would be a great trivia? I was telling Speedy before the show, that will be a great trivia question, you know, 10 years from now. Who starts? Who started in 2022 for the New York Mets, knowing that Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom is part of that organization, that team? What are your thoughts to McGill? Especially they're up to nothing right now going into the sixth inning. What are your thoughts to the Mets right now in that rotation? Uh, he looks all right. They're up to nothing, but it's opening day. Remember, they're always winning opening day. So you can't go by that. I was happy with the rotation, but I was nervous about the Grom. Definitely. How could you not be nervous about the Grom? Scherzer now about a half hour ago, they said he's going to be ready to pitch tomorrow. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. I mean, tomorrow morning we might wake up, we might hear something else. But it's like it's like the old Family Guy bit when Stewie goes to the Met game and the announcer says, it's opening day and here's the first pitch and the season's over. That's the mess. That's the mess. <laughs> so Jacob DeGrom, you mentioned, did not pitch the entire second half last season, did not pitch in the All-Star game. It looked like for a while that he, it was his choice initially, then uh, – they never revealed anything at the end of the season when they did have the injury. So who do you blame for that whole debacle? Do you think it was the front office? Do you think it was management? Uh, was it DeGrom himself that kind of inflicted that? I, I, I thought it was going to be different because the Wilpons were gone and it just stayed the same. So I'm pretty sure it was management. The same thing happened every year. They leave you wondering what is going on with DeGrom. I mean, they just cannot come out and tell you and, that's I thought that was going to change. Hopefully it changes this year, but it didn't change last year. And that was a mess again. Once again, it's a mess with the Mets. As everybody knows, we are talking to Mets and MLB analyst Rob Morasca. So we talk about, you know, where the Mets are and what the Mets are going to do this year. Everybody thought, hey, this roster is completely different. This lineup is stacked now. Lindor, second year as a New York Met. He started off terrible last year. Uh, he got that big contract, that $340 million contract. And a lot of Met fans were very disgusted for what he did in the first half of the season. Second half, he was a lot better, especially the last two months of the season where he was one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Uh, you added Marte and Escobar. When going into the season, did you think that this team was totally upgraded at all the positions, especially in the outfield? 
Not at all their positions, because I still think they need a power hitter in the outfield. Let's talk uh, Michael Conforto right now and that big mistake that he made turning down $120 million before last season. That was a mistake for him. He made a bet on himself and he lost. And then he turned down the qualifying offer this year. Now he's not playing. You know that if someone signs him now, they have to give up a draft pick. So he might not be playing till July. I think the Mets needed another power. And I think they need another power hitter in that outfield. So one of the one of the things with the Mets lineup depth this year, like you were saying, they brought in some more outfielders as a whole. But a lot of these other guys, McNeil, Smith, that were fringe guys, did not get traded. Are you surprised that uh, they didn't get traded? And what, what do you see Buck Showalter using in terms of the roles with the team, especially now with the DH? Well, yeah, the DH, um, I'm an old-time National League guy, so I was against it, against it, but you know what? I came around. It, they have to have a DH. The game has changed. I know it helps the Mets, definitely helps the Mets, but is Cano going to be the DH tonight? He's throwing he's a second base. What's what's going on? I don't, I don't know what Buck's thinking that way, but I'm glad the Mets brought in Buck. They had to do that. I know he overstays his welcome with every team he's with. But right now, that was the move the Mets had to make. Um, you know what? Like I said, I was against the DH, but now let's see what happens. Well, we look at Chris Bassett, and, and a lot of people thought – uh, after the Mets made this trade, and they made this trade fairly late after the lockout, really a week after the lockout, you heard Bassett was going to the Mets. Very surprising. They gave up two prospects, one decent one, the other one nobody's ever heard of. So nobody's going to cry about it. But Bassett, who's been in the American League seven, eight years of his career, he was he started his career with the White Sox. And then uh, he, over the last couple of years, he's been an Oakland A's and an Oakland A's pitcher. And, and last two years, he's been fairly great. Last year, he was up for a Cy Young before he got hit in the face with a baseball and didn't play for the rest of the season. Uh, you look at this this guy, Chris Bassett. I think he is, to me, the most important part of this rotation because we all know what Max Scherzer could be. be. We all know what Jacob DeGrom could be. If Chris Bassett has 14, 15 wins, this could be the best rotation in baseball. Do you think that? I agree with you. When they made that move, I loved it. I mean, I didn't even see that coming. Um, it was a great move. They, re- you know, they like you said, they gave up one really good prospect. The other one, no one knows about, no one cares. I think that was the key, one of the key moves of the offseason because we know the Grom is going to be hurt. He's probably going to come back and he's probably going to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Scherzer, you know, they're all, they're up there in age. So I think that was a great move. So we've seen a lot of teams now pay players younger right away rather than trying to wait till their value goes up where they have to give them these massive $300 million contracts. The Braves did it, the Blue Jays, the White Sox. And Pete Alonso now is in that realm where I personally want the Mets to pay him now. What do you think about that kind of approach, especially now with the Mets right at the brink of the, the luxury tax as well? I agree with you. I want him to do it now. I want him to do it early. I like that teams are signing these guys younger. They're going to, you know stay with the team that way. So, yeah, I definitely would like to see that happen. Happen, definitely. As everyone knows, we are talking to Mets and MLB analyst Rob uh, Maraska. Now, 
you look at he was mentioning Pete Alonso, but you look at obviously Sterling Marte, Marte getting the money that he got, and he was one of the best base dealers in all of baseball. He was the best base dealer in baseball, and they needed to upgrade certain positions uh, this off season. Jeff McNeil didn't have a great season last year. Some people thought that they were going to try to trade him in the off season. Uh, they and then you heard before the season started uh, in spring training, you heard that they were shipping and they were trying to trade Dominic Smith, and the Padres reached out to them and they said. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd offer you Eric Cosmer and I, I forget the other Chris Paddock and uh, one of the relief. Pa- oh, Emilio Pagan, who just got traded today, ironically, to the Twins. Yes. And they were they did not do that. Were you surprised with all the all the players that they were getting offered in that trade for Dominic Smith? Do you really think that Dominic Smith was that worth that type of price to keep? Well, Hosman, they were going to have to pay him a lot of money anyway. Do you I think? Forgot. Do you think Steve Cohen cares about the money? No, he he definitely doesn't care about the money. I don't know if that's a good deal. I don't know why. I thought Dom Smith was going to be gone. <laughs> I'm shocked that he's here opening day. I really thought he was going to be gone. So you know, I don't know what's going on with him. Is he going to be DH? What's he What's he going to do? He's never. You know, he's decent. But he's not what they thought. They thought he was going to be a superstar. Mm. He's not a superstar. Mm-mm. Yeah, actually, when I saw that trade on, or that almost I trade would have on Saturday, I, I would have. have I would have. I'm surprised that the Mets didn't pull the trigger. Maybe they were afraid of the Hosmer contract because I know who cares Padres, about that. The Hosmer, Padres have been trying to move it. Hosmer has three years left on that contract. He's a great defensive first baseman. You could move Pete Alonso to your DH here and there, and put Hosmer as your 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 first base. Hosmer could give you 20 to 25 home runs in a good season. I would have done that. I, I would have done it too. I, so my question le- leads to that. Do you think the Mets at this point, because of the the new? And by the way, I just read. It was they wanted Paddock involved in that trade. Paddock was not involved with that trade. That's what the Mets were asking for to get to to make the trade for Hosmer and the two other players. They were not willing to trade Paddock. As well as the Yankees tried to get Paddock mm-hmm. in that trade. Instead, they got Lang. I think that was a better deal for the Yankees because I think Lang is two, three years away, and I think he's got great stuff. So my question is with that, do you think the Mets are at that point now, especially with the the new tax, the, the fourth level tax in the new CBA, where they're not going to take on any more big contracts? And you think they're just going to go for any more smaller moves at this point? Or do you, could you still see a big move at the trade deadline or something like that? Ooh. Like we just said, I don't think Steve Cohen really cares. I think he wants to win and he wants to win now. So I don't think the money and the fourth level of the tax, I don't think that matters to him. Because if, listen, to trading day, the deadline, if they have to spend money, they're going to spend money, um, especially if they're in it. So I don't, I don't think that's a, a factor. I really don't think that's a factor. He has money and he spends it. I think his threshold right now is at two ninety. I mean, uh, to me, uh, the money that he is spending me is no object in his eyes. I think he feels that uh, if the Mets are right there in a playoff spot, if they need to make a move, they were talking about. I mean, I heard through the grapevine that they were interested in trying to make a move for Juan Soto. You know, uh, this off season and. Obviously, their nationals weren't willing to trade it, but I expect next offseason, Juan Soto will be the name that everybody is going to try to make a move for, and I could see the nationals looking to move him in the offseason. I would be surprised if the Mets are one of those teams that are going to make a bid they're for gonna be, They're going to push hard if they're going to trade him to the Mets, though. Yes. Well, I, yeah. I don't think he'll go to the Mets. Right. I think he's more in the American League. I, Chicago and still the Yankees, especially with this Aaron Judge thing. If, if somehow the Yankees lose Aaron Judge, I, I expect the Yankees to go hard. 
hard after Juan Soto, but that, that's just me. As everybody knows, we are talking to MLB and Mets uh, analyst Rob Maraska. So uh, talk about you know the National League as a whole, especially the National League East. The Braves win the World Series. Uh, they lose their star first baseman. He goes to the Dodgers. They bring in a great uh, you know you know return policy over there uh, from the A's, who I think is just as good as Freeman, honestly. Uh, but and and younger, by the way. But uh, you look at this Braves team. I think they're just as good as they were last year, maybe even better. They didn't have a Cunha on that run last year. Uh, he will be back in probably uh, the f- sixth or seventh week of the season. Uh, what are your thoughts to the National League East? Do you still think, like everybody else thinks, that the Mets are the favorites to come out of this out of this division? Listen, I the Mets always make me nervous because. Okay, they're the favorites. What's going to happen? There's always something that's going to happen. Do I think they could win the division? Yes. But I still think the Braves are strong. I mean, you're right. Definitely. That was a great move getting Hulson after losing Freeman. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went younger. Mm -hmm. His best years are ahead of him. Freeman's aren't. So I think that was a great move. I think they still have a great team. You know, Acuna Jr. will be back in, you know, a, a couple of months, maybe two months or whatever. But he he didn't even like Freeman. They had a problem with each other on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, Olsen so had a better I, season than Freeman last year. He did. And he's yeah. a better – and I think he's just as good defensively at his position. And he's younger. He's like, he's like three years younger. So, <laughs> I mean – and every, every Brave fan, by the way, all over social media – it wasn't it wasn't the Braves' fault that Freeman didn't want to stay. It wasn't Bra- the Braves' fault that Freeman didn't want to stay with him. Freeman wanted to leave. He wanted to go to the Dodgers. He left the Braves hanging. That's why Chipper Jones was all over social media taking shots at Freeman. So they had to make a move. I thought it was a sensational move it for Matt great. Olson. I, it's a great move by them. He's one of the best first basemen in the league. Yeah. Oh, that that was a great move. When they made that move, I said, you know, watch out for the Braves. I mean, you know, the Braves are not going anywhere except up with him. That was an upgrade. It was a great move. So the whole landscape of the National League as a whole, not just the National League East, where do the Mets, do you think, stand in comparison to those contenders? Obviously, the Dodgers are the most talented team in baseball, but talent doesn't always win championships. We saw the Giants last year have the best record in the National League. Could they stay it again? And then the Brewers and the Cardinals, too, and the Padres. I mean, where do you see them in comparison to those contenders? You know, the Mets are up there. I, I mean, the, the Dodgers are a beast, okay? I, I mean, I, I'm a Mets fan. But I see the Dodgers winning the World Series this year. I mean, they're just there. I mean, and with Freeman, he's older, yes. But, I mean, that was a great move for the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers are a beast. And I I just think that the Dodgers could win the World Series. As everybody knows, we are talking to Mets and MLB analyst Rob Maraska. And, and by the way, as good as the Dodgers are when it comes to paper, uh, paper champions never win. So we, we all know that the Dodgers won a championship for the first time in about 25, 30 years. What was it, two years ago? I, I still think I don't trust their coach, their manager. I think their manager is horrible. Okay. And 
I think the, with the power of their roster, especially their rotation, and even their bullpen, adding Kimbrell, I mean, everybody thought so. It's a sure thing after making the trade for Kimbrell. They lost Jansen for nothing. And Jansen was their, yeah. their closer for how many years? And he was, he, he was probably the best closer in baseball for three or four out of the five years. Last year was an offseason for him. So I expect Jansen to be even better uh, going. Where did he go? He went to the Atlanta. Braves. Atlanta, the Braves. So I, I, an old Brave goes to the Dodgers and the new the, the ex-Dodger uh, goes to the Braves. I think it's a, a pretty good consolation prize for the Braves. But um, you look at the St. Louis Cardinals, and I think adding Steven Matz in the offseason, I, I know the Mets made a move for him. They really wanted him to come back. Uh, he pretty much gave the Mets the big FU. He didn't want to go and play for that team. Uh, he took less money to go to the Cardinals, which I was very surprised about that. Uh, coming home to the Mets, where this is where he's from. He's from Long Island. You'd think he wanted to play in front of his family. No, he went to the Cardinals, probably upset what the Mets did to them, to, did to him when he was there. What are your thoughts to the Cardinals this year? I think this is a full year with, obviously, their star for third baseman and star first baseman 100% healthy. And, and, and obviously, with the pitching staff that they have now, I think this is one of the best pitching staffs in baseball, one of the more underrated pitching staffs in baseball. Do you think the Cardinals are one of the favorites coming out of the National League? I, I like the Cardinals team. I mean, they're a little old. Um, but Steven Matz, that was a good signing, definitely, because I think Steven Matz is definitely a decent pitcher. I would have liked to see him come back to the Mets. But like you said, he didn't want to come back to the Mets. There's got to be a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul Goldsmith, they still have Wainwright. I think they're right up there. A did lot you see of, the home run, Nolan? Of- did you see the no- home run that Nolan Ironato had today? A lot of a lot of people are picking the Brewers over the Cardinals, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I still think the Cardinals have a good team. So, is there any contending team in both the National League and the American League that you think is going to disappoint this year? And who do you think could be a sleeper in both of those leagues? A sleeper in both. Well, last year the Padres definitely dis- disappoint. I thought the Padres were going to be better, and I didn't expect the Giants, and I don't think anyone expected the Giants to do what they did. Um, I think that the Cubs still have a pretty decent team. So do I. I was just about to say that they're my, one of my sleepers. Yeah, and they're one of my sleepers too. I mean, you know, you can't count the Cubs out. They they look pretty good. Um, so I would say that the Cubs are definitely one of my sleepers. Uh, let's see how Marcus Stroham does in the clubhouse because some, you know, I don't know about him. Sometimes I just think he could be a clubhouse cancer. <laughs> well, he's a Patchog native from my hometown. <laughs> I know his family. Uh, I know his father. I uh, work out, uh, you know, Bishop, what I call him when I see him work out. And uh, his brother's going to be some player, too. His brother can hit, man. He's, he's going to be a good baseball player. So I don't know if he's, a, you know, he's going to be an all-around pro baseball player, but I think he's going to be drafted. And he's, I think he's a couple of years away, but uh, he's a great player. But uh, you look at the National League, I would, I, would, I would agree with you. I mean, if you look at the National League right now, uh, my sleeping teams, my sleepers, uh, I think the Cubs, the Phillies, they're another team. I don't like their pitching staff. I don't. 
But that lineup, they added another power bat in the middle of that lineup. Bryce Harper had a great season last year. We don't see back-to-back with Bryce Harper every single year. But right. I, I think that this is, a you know, you bring back Didi Gregorius. Yep. I, I think that this roster is as good as it's been. Uh, this is a big year for Joe Girardi because they were talking about firing him in, in the offseason because they expected more from him. I think the team is going to play for him. I, I expect the Phillies to play well this year. Um, the Cubs, another team. Uh, watch out for the Reds, too, because uh, they still have some good pieces. Uh, they And I they did lose some pieces in the offseason. Sonny Gray and, and, and some of the other. Yeah. Yes, Castellanos, who went to the Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. But I, I still think that the Reds are going to be a dangerous team in a very weak division. And uh, here's another team that I expect to be better. Uh, I, again, good. The Giants. I expect the Giants this year, as well as they were. They don't have Buster Bosey. He retires, but... I still they have a good rookie uh, catcher right now. I think this is a good team. They're still uh, have a lot of depth in that lineup. I expect them to be good as well. I agree with you there, but I'll, I'll tell you that the Phillies scare me too. Mm-hmm. Like you were just saying, they are one of my sleepers too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Zach Wheeler, you know, Bryce Harper. You said okay, not doesn't usually have a lot of back to back, but you know what? He's still Bryce Harper. Um, Didi, I think he's going to have a decent season. The only thing is the Phillies uh, signed familiar, so you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, Classic Phillies. Try to you pr- watch. <laughs> you, you watch. And I, I see Carl says the Reds. I say, yeah, the Reds. Watch. Carl, I, I'm willing to bet you it's early in the season right now. I'd give it a month. The Reds will be e- either in first or second place in their division. I, I That's how good. And I, and I think the Reds will trade away pieces because I don't. Uh, Castilla is a guy that they've been trying to trade away. The Yankees are very interested in him. I still expect the Yankees to try to, you know, take tabs and, you know, and stabs at him to try to get him and try to ply him away from uh, this, uh, the, the Reds. But the Reds are going to be a good team. Uh, this lineup is still good. Joey Votto is still in the lineup. I expect him to have another good season. Uh, but especially with the DH, where you don't have to play him at first base. So you, you could save him if it's a doubleheader game. You put him at DH. You're not going to wear him out. And I think he'll be happy doing that. So um, And that'll, that'll prolong his career. A lot of these guys, are going to be pro, their careers are going to be prolonged. I know a lot of people don't like that National League DH rule because it's taking away the, 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 the backing and, and the old-time baseball that we remember. But this is going to save players. This is going to save pitchers. And I think this is better for all of baseball. So I love this move. But, yeah, I've, I think Cincinnati. In the American League, I think um, the, the teams to watch out for this year are the Blue Jays. They're, they're, they're the team that a lot of people keep talking about. Uh, another team uh, with the acquisitions they made, and I know people are going to think I'm nuts. Uh, this is a terrible division. It's a terrible division. But I expect the Twins to have a decent season. I, I mean, added Carlos Correa. This is still, they have some good young pitchers. I, I don't expect them to compete with the White Sox, but who knows? They they could sneak in as a wild card team, especially with the the addition. You know, the three wild card teams that make it. Um, also. Uh, watch out for the Angels. If they stay healthy this year, uh, and I expect them to, Randon, uh, Trout, and obviously Otani, I mean, middle of that lineup, you're talking about Murderer's Row right there. Those are three great hitters in the middle of a lineup. We've been expecting this to happen. It hasn't happened the first year. I expect it to happen this year. They're healthy. Watch out for the Angels. 
I agree with you there. I think the Angels could take the division from the Astros. I really do. Trout, best player, mm-hmm. best player in baseball. Otani, who was the best player in baseball last year. Yes, yes. And I was going to bring that up, you know. Everybody's the, MVP the except Japanese for Errol. He wasn't my MVP. I thought Vladimir Guerrero was the best all-around player in the league last year. I thought he should have won it. Uh, it's a shame because he's a pitcher. And and people say, well, he, he was a good pitcher. And he's a good hitter, so you're going to give it to the pitcher and the hitter. I give it to Vladimir Guerrero because he almost had the triple crown last year. And he, to me, was the best all-around offensive player in baseball. Yeah, I, but I, I think I also – you know what small move that the – that uh, the Angels made that I like. I, I I like that they got Aaron Loop. I wanted the Mets to. Yeah. I didn't want the Mets to lose him. I like the guy, <laughs> so that was a good small little move that they made. Hmm. Aaron Loop was the best relief pitcher on the Mets by far. Exactly. Last year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and, I, I think you know. I, I think the Blue Jays are going to be a dangerous team, but. I think when you look at the Yankees, this is the best division always in baseball. You got the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Rays. I mean, all four teams can make the playoffs. I, I told Speedy, I'm not going to be surprised at three, the three wild card teams to come out of the American League East. I, I, yeah, I, I well, could that's see it. Possible, definitely. You I know, could see I it. Be shocked. I, I could see it because. The American League Central is horrible, okay? It's just a horrible division. Besides the White Sox, that's a horrible division. And then you look at the American League West, the Angels look like they could be good, but they never stay healthy. The Athletics are always good, but they never they, – they can never – They just trade everybody, yeah, so they're they, probably not going to They can never good. go to – the Astros, yes, Verlander's coming back, but I don't trust that pitching staff. And then the Mariners, who made a lot of moves this offseason, I expect them to be a lot better than they have been over the last couple of years, and they have a pretty good young rotation – I don't trust this lineup either for power, especially going into the American League East and have to play in those American League American League East uh, powerhouse teams. So I, I don't trust any of the other divisions except the American League East to expect it. And don't don't count Baltimore out either. I know they had a bad season last year. They got a couple of good young prospects coming. They have the best young catching prospect that's going to be up this year. They have one of the best young outfielders in baseball coming up this year. When you're terrible, you get good draft picks. Yeah, and you know what? You got to give them a couple of years, but they'll they'll be there. And talking about the Yankees, I heard you talking mm-hmm. before about yes. um, Judge about the Yankees, and I think they're catching. They, I think they have an excellent defensive yes. catching duel. Yes. Okay. I think getting rid of they had to get rid of Sanchez. They definitely had to get rid of him. So I think that that. Their catching is pretty pretty good. I you know the Yankees have a good team no matter what. This is the best defensive team the Yankees have had since the '90s Yankees. If you look at this, and maybe the infield when when Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Robertson Cano, and Mark Teixeira was playing in and in, in Jorge Posada. But if you look at this this infield now, Donaldson he's an upgrade. Joe Shell is a great defensive player. He's an upgrade at the third base position. Uh, the kid that they brought in from the Twins, that was an add-on. That was a great move. What's his name again? I'm sorry. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa. Uh, who is a good, you know, he's a good hitter. Uh, he's not a power. He hits for average. He's a great defensive player. Uh, if you put Glaber Torres at second half the time and DJ, DJ LeMayu, you have two quality defensive players at second. You have... Uh, Rizzo, who's an, uh, to me a gold glove for his baseman still, and then Trevino and 
uh, Takanasha, whatever. Takanashioka. We'll get it eventually. And they also got the kid from twin, the Twins, too, in that trade, too, who's supposedly a very good defensive player as well. And in the outfield, I mean, come on. Uh, the power in that outfield, you have uh, Gallo's a, a gold glove winner. Aaron Judge could be a gold glove winner. I mean, Aaron Hicks is a gold glove winner. And John Carlos, I mean, that's a pretty good, powerful outfield uh, to, to, to mix around uh, for, for the whole season. I mean, if they stay healthy, this, this lineup should have 500 home runs, uh, and, and they should be one of the top three, top four offenses in all of baseball. Definitely. But you know what? They have to win because how much longer is Aaron Boone going to be there if they don't? This win? is it. If they don't. It, it has to be. Yeah, if they don't, if they don't win, if they don't get to the World Series this year. Aaron Boone is gone. I know they extended him to three years. And I, that, Tyler Harrison, who was on our show, who was part of our show a couple hated of months him right ago, from the start. <laughs> he hated him right from the start. But here's the thing. Aaron Boone, for a guy that's never managed, he's had a winning season every single year. I know everybody's going to say, well, look at the team. We have seen good teams and good managers not win, okay? So I don't want to hear, well, it's a good team. Aaron Judge, two, I mean, uh, Aaron Boone two years ago had more injuries than any team in Major League history. He had lost Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, for a significant amount of time, and they won. They had 105 wins that year. So to say Aaron Boone is not a good manager, it's crazy. We have seen Aaron Boone in the playoffs. He's made a lot of mistakes. And uh, when you make mistakes like that, it's going to appear from all the good that you did in the regular season. And we've seen that. And Joe Girardi, everybody keeps saying we shouldn't have got rid of Joe Girardi. I saw an article that Brian, one of the worst things Brian Cashman did would get rid of Joe Girardi. How many championships did Joe Girardi have? He had one. He had one championship when the Yankees spent $500 million in the offseason, adding A.J. Burnett, C.C. Sabathia, and Mark Teixeira, okay? So I don't want to hear about Joe Girardi, because Joe Girardi, let's be honest, he didn't do anything. And you want to know something? If you look at, if you tally the, the three or four years that Aaron Boone was there, and you tally the four, four best years that Joe Girardi had, Aaron Boone would have a better record than Joe Girardi. And that's a fact. Go look at it. No, you're right. You're definitely right. But like you said before, when I was listening, they, you know, they have to sign Judge because could you imagine him going to the Red Sox? By the way, I Juan mean, Soto hit another home run. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Judge goes to the, say the Red Sox or Toronto, I mean, that's just forget it. Yankee fans are just going to uh, jump in front of the subway. Mm. Yeah. Well. I expect the Mets, to, if they could stay healthy, to be a playoff team. I always expect the Yankees to be a playoff team this year. I want to see that this is a very important year for Aaron Boone. I think this is a very important year for Aaron Judge because uh, I, I think this is the last year you're going to see Aaron Judge as a Yankee because the Yankees should have signed him before the season started. He's now going to, you know, he's going to wait until the offseason. He will be an unrestricted free agent. There is no way the Yankees are giving him a seven year extension. I think this will be the last time the Yankees see Aaron Judge uh, a part of the Yankees organization. I, I believe they will go hard after Juan Soto in the offseason if they lose Aaron Judge. That's not just me saying. I've seen three articles about it today that uh, Juan Soto to the Yankees in the, uh, the offseason. So it's sad because I like Aaron Judge. I, I think Yankee fans forget how good he is when he is in the lineup. He's a special player. Uh, he's not just a big man that hits for power. He For a big man who hits for power, hits for average, steals bases. He's a gold-glove defensive player. He's a five-tool player. 
So he just can't stay healthy. I mean, it's just so big of a man. So uh, it's a shame. But uh, and all the Yankee fans that took shots at John Carlos Stan, he's the only one that hits in the playoffs. So it just doesn't make any sense why the Yankee fans can't stand John Carlos Stan. And in the second half of the season, I think going into like the last two months of baseball, he had 16 home runs and he hit like 17 home runs the last two months of baseball. Yeah, he was the only one hitting. I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I only the only player that could do that in baseball is John Carlos Stanton. I mean, it's just that's how good of a player he is. And Yankee fans forget that they can give up anything for him. They gave up nothing for him. The, those prospects that Derek Jeter traded for, not one of them stepped on a baseball field. I think, one, I think one got traded again. Yes, yeah. not one of them stepped on a major league baseball field. So what does that tell you? To for a guy that won the MVP of the year before that. And he's still a 30 and 100 type of player. I don't know why Yankee fans hate this guy. So, it's, I mean, Mets fans would, th- they would love him. They'd kiss his yeah, ass. Really. I, I mean, it's so. Now, he'll I, probably only play 40 games if he would keep him yeah. Mets. Between his injury history and the Mets injury history, we're lucky if we get 40 games out of John Carlos Stanton. It's crazy. <laughs> I get have a career ending injury with the Mets. That, get, that being said, Wilson yeah. Ramos was injury prone yeah. with Washington. He actually came over the Mets and stayed healthy. He stunk here, but he, stayed, he stayed, at least stayed healthy. It was weird, yeah, weirdly that's enough. All, that's about it. I get sick because I. I don't hate the Mets. I'm a Yankee fan. I don't hate the Mets. I always root on the Mets. Everybody says, well, you're a Yankee fan. You should be rooting on the Mets. But I, I love it when I go to a Met game and I'm wearing a Yankee hat, how much I get booed when I walk down the intersection. I'm like, why are you booing me? I'm at a, Yan- I'm at a Met game and I'm a Yankee fan. I'm rooting for the Mets. Why are you booing me? And it's just, listen, I understand. We were talking, me and Speedy were talking about it before I brought him here. I said, uh, I said, I, I don't understand Met fans. I don't hate the Met fans, but the Met fan hates the Yankees. And I understand why. The Yankees won all those years, and the Mets haven't won since 1986. So they have to hate a team. Why not hate the big brother and, and hate him? So I, I understand why the Met fans. And that's why I hope that I see, you know, before, you know, uh, before the next two or three years and Max Scherzer's uh, contract is up, I'd love to see the Mets uh, win a World Series because uh, – it, to me, it, it doesn't matter. As long as the championship comes home to New York, it doesn't matter to me. So See, that's good. That's rare. But. Yeah, it's rare. I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm not rooting. If the Yankees are playing the Mets, I'm not rooting for the Mets. And you will never see me wear memorabilia of the Mets. Okay, I will not wear a Mets hat. I will not wear a Mets jersey. You will not see that from me. But uh, going to a Mets, I love City Field. I think City Field's a beautiful stadium. I love it even more than Yankee Stadium. I think it's more family oriented and it's more fun to go to at, at a ballpark. I just, um, you know, obviously the Mets aren't the Yankees, and that's the difference. So it's it's different. You every single one of the Yankees, I I believe it, with that lineup, and I'm I'm seeing five or six All Stars on that team this year if they if they actually stay healthy. So it's it's crazy, and that shortstop that they added. That's another – he's going to be like another Didi. I'm telling you right now. They're going to bring him in. He's not a power hitter. He's going to hit 20 home runs this year. He's going to bat over 300, and he's going to be a sensational defensive player for the Yankees. And that's what I think is going to happen. Cano just booted an error at second base. Not nice, surprised. Yeah, yeah. nice going, Robinson Cano. <laughs> the Mets will win this game, by the way. Uh, so I want to ask one of the, the fans. Uh, Carl had a good question. Yeah. Uh, ask him if he agrees with the Mets retiring Keith Hernandez's jersey this year. Absolutely. You know, I I definitely do. It's I'm going. You know what? Finally, we have an owner that at least does stuff for Mets history. Look at when City Field was built; it was built for the Dodgers. Everything was the Dodgers. I mean, it's crazy because the Will Pond were 
Fred, Fred Wilpon was a Dodger fan. It had no Mets history the first year, except for the Shea Stadium Bridge. But, I mean, it's about time. The Mets, the Houston Astros had more retired numbers than the Mets. So, mm. you know, it's about time that the Mets are starting to do this stuff. Well, Rob, we really appreciate you joining us. We'd love to get you on again. Uh, obviously talking baseball, uh, as the season progresses, I'm sure you'll have your own thoughts to this Mets. I expect the Mets, uh, to be a playoff contending team. Hopefully Jacob DeGrom comes back healthy. The scapular problem will probably be a problem all season long for him. Like you said, uh, I don't expect this to be a good sign for the Mets, especially a week before the season. And he has to have another spring training. So they're saying four weeks expected to be seven to eight weeks before he steps back on the field. I expect... Or late May, early June to to see Jacob Degrom. That's what I expect. So uh, it, it's crazy. I I I think Jake is the best pitcher in baseball when healthy. I mean, there's not many guys. You know what he's going to throw, but you can't hit it. And that's that's the amazing thing with Jake. He throws two good pitches. He used to throw three. What happened to his changeup? That's that's that to me is he had the best, if not the best, the second best changeup in baseball. And last year he stopped throwing it. Doesn't make any sense. I and I think throwing that hundred mile power fastball is not going to benefit him as he gets older. So uh, as a Met fan, you just hope that Jake stays healthy and Max yeah. stays healthy. If that happens, both players should win at least you know eighteen to twenty games and and expect the Mets to be a playoff contending team. So definitely. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm on actually, I heard you guys talk about this before. I'm on Sports Wire Radio on Friday nights, which is on sportinarium.com. It's a station out of uh, England, actually. And we're also on Saturdays on Roku at Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. You know what's funny? So, we just had an English guy, and you, you, you do a show on, you know, in England. So that's. Yeah, we're that's all good. over the place, but we're at actually. Based out of England, but most most of us are from the United States. You know what? So. I'll tune in, man. I, I, to me, I always I always root for the underdog, especially uh, New York people uh, that are doing stuff all around the country and and, and ri- really putting out good content. I I really appreciate you joining us, and we definitely will get you on again, my friend. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, we were just talking to Mets and MLB analyst Rob Morasca. Nice guy. Knows his stuff, uh, obviously, and he's a Mets fan, so Speedy loves that too. So you know, uh, you can't you can't mock and you can't attack the Mets. I think the Mets are a team that could be really, really good this year if they're healthy. That is going to be <laughs> which they never are. So yeah, let's not. Uh, let's are not, we surprised? Let's not get that uh, expectation going when it comes to the Mets actually staying healthy. I mean, that'd be a miracle. I told you this was going to happen. I told you. I I remember who who was the analyst, the girl that we had on from the, the analyst from the uh, Nationals. Oh, Bricaroli, yeah. And she Garoli, was yeah. yeah, she was so pissed off at me because uh, I've known Max for years and he's never gotten hurt, and I think this is a great move for the Mets. And what happens before the season starts? He's hurt, and uh, I'm going to tell you right now. You ready to to mark my words on this? Max does not pitch well tomorrow. All right. And then he'll be there'll be some rumors coming out that he needs to go for uh, an MRI on his hamstring and could be out for two or three weeks. Remember, remember, I said this, ladies and gentlemen, because I, I think I think the Mets are making it a lot better than what it really is. I think there's a lot. I think ham when you hear hamstring pull or hamstring, uh, you know, uh, tenderness, that's not a good sign for a guy that uses his legs in his throwing motion. So. Uh, if I was a Met fan, I am not excited to know that Max Scherzer is not 100% healthy early in the season. 
So. Uh, by the way, since you mentioned uh, Britt Giroli, uh, shout out to her. She's actually having a baby. Oh, congratulations. She's uh, in the beginning of her the pregnancy process. I just saw it on Twitter. What do they call it? That the first semester or whatever? Yeah, whatever. Pre-mester, whatever. Yeah. That, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Carl, you just had a baby. What do they call that? <laughs> but uh, listen, and, and she, she, she spoke very highly. Trimester, that's what they call it. First trimester. Uh, he didn't write that, but I, I, now I just remembered. Okay. But. Um, I, I just I, I think with the Mets and, and look at the the position that the Mets are in right now, it's a winnable division. Oh, of course, it is. Yes, trimester, first trimester. Yep, I was right. Uh, it's a winnable division for the Mets to to win. I just worry that the Braves are younger at the first base position. I think Olsen is a great addition. I'm going to tell you this right now for all the Braves fans without crying about Freeman. What a what an upgrade. And I, it's crazy to say that from a guy two years ago that won the MVP. Olsen is an upgrade to the National League East. That is an upgrade. You, wanna, you were talking about Brian Cashman being possibly the best uh, GM in baseball. Alex Anthopoulos might have an argument with that with the moves he made with the Braves. Like, keeping everybody together, too. And he made those Freeman, trades yeah. at the trade deadline that yeah. really solidified they ca- that and they ca- Yeah, they kept two out of three of those outfielders, too. And yeah, Rosario, Rosario was the best one out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Jack Peterson was the only one that they lost. He went to the Giants, but they, they were able to keep... They Great were, move by the Giants. Yeah, they, they were able to keep everybody else. And then just, uh, they, they knew that Freeman was leaving amidst this... Uh, I get, they was found out today, like Rob was saying, it was a tension with Ronald Acuna, they didn't like each other, so he didn't want to stay there, like you were saying. And they still made it work by getting Matt Olson. And Christian Pache was really the only big prospect they traded in that deal, and he has had trouble developing hitting wise. So I was surprised that Freeman was the one that you know picked up and left. I, I thought he was going to stay with the Braves. A lot of people did, but uh, he has a lot of friends over there in, in in Dodgerville, and he grew up a Dodger fan in that LA area. So right. I think he wanted to play for his hometown, and uh, he has his chance. I mean, that lineup should be deadly. That lineup should be the best lineup all around in baseball. But are they going to be able to hold up? Are they going to stay healthy? And I still think the Braves uh, the Braves could absolutely repeat this year. I think they're very talented. I think they're as good or even better than they were last year. So I'm excited. If you're, if you're a Braves fan, you should be absolutely excited. And I think Olsen's going to have a sensational year. 39 home runs and 112 RBIs last year. Freeman had 31 home runs. Yeah, he had a slow start. 83 RBIs. I mean, and you talk about Gold Glove. Olsen is, you know, he's a Gold Glove. He's rising as a defender. I wouldn't say he's Freeman good, but he's definitely not the the liability he was in the beginning of his career. He's going to be 33. Olsen's 28. Oh, yeah. Still still plenty of room to grow, for sure. There's there's a huge difference. And then, honestly, for what they gave up, everybody was talking about the Yankees' top prospects. What did they give up? One top prospect? Pache was the only top prospect they gave up for Olsen, who was a top 20 prospect the start of the year last year, but he had trouble hitting in the minor leagues, and then once they traded for all those other outfielders, they felt like, they, I guess, they didn't need him anymore, so they included him in that deal. It was a great move. Yes, and that was the only big name that they, that they traded, and it's weird because you always see Oakland kind of be more stingy with those kinds of things, but not in this case. I, I thought it was a great move by the Braves. I think position-wise and where the Braves are, um, even with the rotation, I, I think the rotation's a little bit better than it was last year. They added bullpen help in Jensen for nothing. Right. They didn't have to trade anything for one of the best bullpen relief pitchers in baseball. I mean, and the Dodgers lost a relief pitcher. Yes, they added Kimbrell. They, 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 yeah, they swapped Kimbrell for A.J. Pollock. They traded A.J. Pollock to the White Sox, yeah. So. Yeah, and they gave up a prospect, too, in that trade. Yeah, so, so it, it'll be interesting to see with that kind of transference because Kimbrell was not good with the White Sox, but he's all, the White Sox also, I think, misused him, though, too, when it came to he's not 
not, he's kind of like what we were saying with a lot of the Yankee relievers. Like, they're only good as closers when they're not at, being used as closers. Same thing with Edwin Diaz, too. They're not, they're bad. And they used him as an eighth inning guy to set up Liam Hendricks, who's a little more versatile. And then they, so they ended up trading him. So the Dodgers will have to use him as a pure closer in order well, to remember get the best what out I, of him. Remember what I said about the Yankees. I think, I believe that before the season is over, Jonathan Loisica will be the closer mm-hmm. of the Yankees. I, I think it's Chapman will be the eighth inning guy. Loisica will be the closer. I believe that. I, I think that was the Yankees' plan, you know, all offseason. I, I think if John could stay healthy, he's got the best stuff in that bullpen. Oh, sure. I, I'm just saying there's a lot of these old-school, like, great closers that aren't as good when it comes to the other roles just because of the mentality. Loisica, because he's young now. He, he was supposed to be a starter. He just he came up as a starter. Yeah. Yep, he had, that, he had that breakthrough first, like, three games or whatever he had in 2018. Then they used him in the bullpen a little bit in 2019 when they had a lot of injuries. And now last year, they kind of used him as a more of a mainstay in that bullpen because Britain really struggled last year, was hurt. Chapman was great in the first half of the season, but really struggled in the second half. So he became kind of that steady, steady guy. Now, the thing is, from a mindset perspective, can a veteran guy like that, like Chapman, adjust to that kind of role if it came down to it? Now, we saw stretches of him being more of a stretch reliever where he could be two innings, could get four or five out saves with Cincinnati. We saw him do it in the World Series with the Cubs. So... It's possible, but again, the mindset is completely different, and sometimes those statistical trends are completely different. Look at Edwin Diaz. He was great in safe situations last year for the Mets. When he brought him in in a non-safe situation, he was awful, and a lot of times those older closers have that those kinds of issues. Same kind of thing with Kimbrell. When they started using him with the White Sox, when the White Sox started using him as a eighth-inning guy, he was not good, and they really bombed on that trade as a result. And that's why I think when you look at the, you look at the Yankees' relief pitch, you just don't know what's going to work. They added some pieces. Uh, this could turn out to be a great you know, great moves in the offseason to really solidify that bullpen where they have the best bullpen in baseball again. It's crazy. I mean, you make one or two moves. The Yankees made three or four moves uh, before the season started, and right. it, and I expected them to sign play. There's so many good relief pitchers still available right now in free agency, and I expect some of them as players get hurt or they're just – not healthy. I expect some of these teams to to make moves and sign these players. But I don't think the Yankees wanted to get the veteran guys like they used to in the past. I think they were going for a different approach because a lot of those guys either were one, two-year wonders or because they've had all these injury issues with past guys like you're seeing now with Zach Britton and Aroldis Chapman. So I think they're trying to get guys that are a little more versatile, more trustworthy. They just traded for the Mets for with Miguel Castro, who was good in the first half of the season for the by Mets. By the way, fantastic move by the Yankees. I like I like. I liked, Miguel, I liked Miguel Castro last year in the first half of the season for the Mets. Very surprised the Mets traded him. I think the Yankee, the, the, the Mets traded the better pitcher. They needed a lefty, though. They have no lefties in their bullpen besides who they just traded for and Joely Rodriguez from the Yankees. So they had to do that in order to just get another, just an arm. They, they lost Aaron Loop and should have never lost Aaron Loop last year. But also some of the guys that are starters, they have pitched in multiple roles that they could use as relievers, too. Guys like uh, Clark Schmidt, who has had a good spring as a, as a young pitcher. Uh, Michael King, we've seen in and out, be a starter and reliever. Clay Holmes, who uh, I know... Uh, Julian Galarte was mentioning when we had him on Tuesday as a guy that they've kind of rebirthed in a way that could play all different roles. So I don't think they really want the veterans that are one role relievers anymore. And I want to, I think they, like I was saying on the weekend crunch many times, they have to get a more versatile bullpen to keep up with some of these teams that are a little more advanced when it comes to having the young pitchers pitch in new roles. I, I do want to get into this Debo Samuels thing. And 
You know, I don't know what's going on with San Francisco. I think maybe he's trying to tell San Francisco something like either you sign me or trade me before the season starts. I am not going to go into the season without a big contract. I've seen what Tyreek Hill got. I've seen what Devontae Adams got. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs got the extensions that they got. Thielen's, you know, Thielen's re-up contract. Uh, He's looking at all these top wide receivers, and he's, he's probably saying right now, why am I not getting that money? Debo Samuels at what sixteen hundred all around yards last year. Uh, he was to me the best all around wide receiver in all of football. He threw touchdowns. He ran touchdowns in. I think he what had six touchdowns. Yeah, eight running? rushing touchdowns. Eight rushing touch- <laughs> touchdowns. To how many catch touchdowns? What was it? Six. Six, six. receiving touchdowns and they had over sixteen hundred yards receiving too. And was essentially the 49ers' second running back. After Elijah Mitchell, once Raheem Mostert got hurt right in the beginning of the season, and Jeff Wilson got hurt in the middle of the season, he was essentially their second running back. So, as a weapon, like an all-around weapon, he's going to spawn value that way. Now, as a pure receiver, in comparison to the other receiver contracts, I don't know if he's as good, but because of the added running and versatility, that's going to warrant him to get the similar contract to what Stephon Diggs just got, the extension that he got. And And he's also younger, too, so him peaking right now at the right time. The Niners are going to have to probably shed some money because last time I checked, they only had $2 million in salary cap space, so they're going to have to shed some money to make that kind of thing work. But they need to make it work because it's a big drop-off between Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk's our next best receiver, and he had a rough year last year. So they're really going to have to get something going if, with that. And, 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 yeah, you're going to have to give him an extension because if you don't do that, you're going to have a very angry wide receiver that's not going to be happy going into the season. Uh, where he, see all, he sees all these other wide receivers get the money that they've gotten and him not getting what he was supposed to get. So um, it's going to be very interesting before the draft. Do they trade Debo Samuel now? Now there are teams, a.k.a. the Jets, that are looking for a star wide receiver and is willing to trade pieces and draft picks away. And the Jets right now dangling that number 10 pick. I do not believe the story coming out from uh, New York that the Jets were willing to give up the 10th pick. A lot of people are saying that was a lie. I, I believe that because they didn't even offer that for Tyree Kill. And Tyree Kill, to me, is a better player than Ty, uh, DK Metcalf. So um, the story coming out that, that, the Yanke- that the Jets still have that 10th pick. For Debo Samuels, I would trade the 10th pick and maybe a third-round pick for Debo Samuels. I think that would be a fair trade. The Jets get their wide receiver. He fits the scheme like a glove. And uh, the Jets going to the season with their number one wide receiver. Then you don't have to draft a wide receiver in this year's draft. You have uh, Debo. You have um, Elijah Moore. Uh, you have Mims, who's right now practicing. I expect him to be on that roster. Berrios and, and the, the weapons that they have right now. Uh, and Montgomery and all the other guys. So... I expect, looking at what we see right now of the Jets, I don't think Debo Samuels is going anywhere. I think San Francisco will figure out a contract, this dispute. I think what he's trying to tell them right now is either either you give me a, uh, you give me a contract or trade me. And it, the way he's doing it is doing it through social media. He he obviously erased him as a fan, you know a, a following right. a, a following uh, you know player, 
and he wants them to give him a contract. If they don't give him a contract, trade him. So I expect them to extend him. I just don't know what they're going to offer him, especially with the money that they have in you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to have to do something with Jimmy if they're going to give Debo the money that he wants. Yeah, I think the 49ers will pay him eventually just because we see John Lynch push hard, whether in terms of keeping their own players. And even if they overpay a little to keep their own players, they will do that. You saw Trent Williams get a huge contract last year, a six-year deal, which I'm surprised at his age he was able to get. But they made him the highest-paid tackle in football. Had a great year. He played uh, played up to it. He was the best performance tackle. But still, we've seen John Lynch push for those kinds of things and then try to patch the money later where they draft well late. They plug in the guys to fit in the scheme. And they've made that kind of system work. So I think they will end up paying him. Now, they're going to have to make the salary cap kind of thing work. There's no way. If they're going into the season without Debo Samuel, there's no way they even make the playoffs. There's no yeah, way they it's make the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be really hard in that division. Because I, 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 you're talking about – what's up, Matt? How are you? I see Matt Orlick joining us right now. But if, if you look at where the San Francisco 49ers are, they cannot depend on without Debo Samuels. First of all, their running game. They have a three-headed monster. They, they, they haven't stayed healthy for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Mostert's gone, so he's uh, in Miami. And Mostert's gone. So you're going to depend on uh, a second-year player and, and a, a veteran player that can't stay healthy. And to me, you, you have a great tight end who can't stay healthy. George Kittle has not stayed healthy for a full season. So I'm interested to see in position or where they are. If they lose a Debo Samuel, where are they going to be offensively? Yeah, it's going to be tough because the 49ers right now have $1.75 million in cap space. So they're going to have to shed that money somewhere else, whether it's a defensive player having to take pay cuts, whether it's trading, trying to trade away Jimmy Garoppolo. But it seems like less likely they're going to do that now. So are they going to, are they going to commit to Trey Lance if they're going to be able to keep Debo Samuel and have him be ready for that kind of thing? So they have a lot of decisions they have to make. Now, John Lynch has been making these big swings in the past. So I think they will end up keeping him. They have be- to keep him. Be- just because he's just that perfect scheme fit for everything they do. If they, do- if they don't have him in the backfield or they don't have him in the slot, it's going to put, one, more attention towards Kittle. Two, it's not going to create as well-rounded of a rushing attack where Debo Samuel not only could run well, he could also run well from so many different spots, too. Elijah Mitchell was a nice rookie running back last year, but he's not the versatile weapon that, as a runner that Debo Samuel would be in terms of just lining up all over the place. And same thing with Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk could line up all over the place, too, but doesn't carry the ball as much. He does more of the receiving. He does more of the blocking to help that kind of thing out. And that will hinder the versatility of all those other players if Debo isn't lining up all over the place. And to me... Uh, this is this is not crazy, and this is not a story. A lot of these wide receivers are looking for big money, as we see all three of these wide receivers, four wide receivers getting the money that they got in the offseason, these extensions. Expect all these top-end wide receivers to expect that kind of money. AKA, we've been talking about it over there in Tennessee. He's AJ Brown's looking for that big money and that big payday. He's he's expecting an extension, and if he doesn't get it, uh, he's a free agent. He can opt out of his contract next year. He'll be a free agent. He'll go elsewhere where somebody's going to pay him. And there are quite a few teams that will give him the money. I, I, so I expect when you look at uh, the, all these teams' rosters and all the top wide receivers in the league that uh, they're going to be expecting Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, uh, Adam Thielen type of money. That's what they want. And by the way, Stefan Diggs just got a big extension as well, $96 million. Four years, $96 million. So, so that makes him the third highest paid receiver. And Debo... He's way better than Stefan Diggs. Debo is going to warrant two different things on that contract extension if they're going to use his, his Diggs' new contract as the focal point. One, he's younger than Diggs. 
two, he can line up four as running years back. younger. So there, he's going to use that as leverage for the 49ers. And also, while he did have some injury issues in 2020 that hindered his season, at only at 391 yards and a touchdown in seven games. His consistency factor has been very good where he really didn't have a lot of bad games. 2019, his rookie year in only 11 games started, had 802 yards and three touchdowns. It was effective in pretty much all those games. And as a running, as a runner, he had five touchdowns. And then last year, as I mentioned, eight touchdowns. He had 365 rushing yards. And really, I think only had like two bad games all year. It was great in the did playoffs. You, did you hear what Seattle's looking for right now for DK Metcalf? Let me guess, two first-round picks. Two first-round draft picks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are yeah they on you're dr- not getting that. Are they on drugs? No. I mean, first of all, DK Metcalf had an off-season last year. Now, it wasn't a bad season, but it was an off-season. It was more consistent, had- but down in terms of the overall numbers. He didn't have his rookie numbers that he had. His numbers were down, and they want to say they want two first-round draft picks. I, they're not getting that. And nah. and if the Jets really did offer that 10th pick, I would have taken it. That was their pick for Jamal Adams. I would have taken it. They would be sitting right now at 9 and 10. They could still get a wide receiver of their liking uh, at that position. And they could get the player that they want. Or they could get back-to-back defensive linemen that they need. Or back-to-back offensive linemen that they need. Or maybe a quarterback that they definitely desperately need. Yeah, so, they pretty much need everything. So I, I, I have no idea why. And I don't believe the Jets offered that tenth pick because if any if if, the, if that is true, I would have made that trade today. Okay? Yeah, I think I think Debo is a much more better value for the tenth pick just because of what the Jets are now. Like I said, I think AJ Brown just with the connections with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore seems like a more likely scenario. San Francisco don't have a first round draft. San Francisco, so. yeah, San Francisco, San Francisco. I think will still end up paying him just because of that. I, I think they'll just purge other things to make that kind of thing work because he's just too valuable a weapon. Whereas Tennessee, we've seen them kind of be more old school. Where think about it this way: I'm going to cut you off here. If if I was San Francisco and you're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Right now, you trade for the 10th pick. You get the 10th in the, the Jets' third. You, you could still get uh, your wide receiver that you want, your pickings. You could get Drake London, who's from that area. You could get any one of those guys that you really, really like at number 10. And you get the third. You're not getting a first, and you're not getting a second this year. That will that will get back all the the stuff that you lost for Trey Lance, who could be your future wide receiver. You get a future, I mean, future quarterback. You get your future wide receiver to play with him, and you still get a a, a valuable player, and you you get rid of that money, that salary, which you're going to save for next year, which makes a lot of sense. Now, are they going to do that? It's hard to believe, as good as Debo Samuel is, that they're going to just let go of him. I think they're not going to do that either for the, for the sole purpose of they've been very weird when it comes to drafting wide receivers. Sometimes it's worked. Sometimes it hasn't. We've seen them draft very unconventionally in 2018. Uh, they drafted Jalen Hurd. They drafted a kid from Baylor. I'm drawing a blank on his name that became a bust. And then even Debo Samuel himself in 2019, nobody was expecting him to be the second receiver off the board when it was DK Metcalf's draft, AJ Brown, uh, Hollywood Brown. They had all, the, all these guys that were supposed to go ahead of him. They took Debo Samuel in the second round. And then even Brandon Ayuk, who was thought of as a good receiver, but wasn't supposed to go as early as he did. He went, he went before, he went before the, the Niners passed on CD lamb at 14. They drafted Javon Kinlaw defensive tackle because they, and Jerry Judy too. They passed on both of those guys to trust Ayuk and uh, he's better the, than both of them. And yeah, he, they drafted well, him C- at 25. Maybe not CD lamb, not CD lamb, but CD lamb for a guy that I believe was going to be a, a steal at 17. He, 
over the last two or three years, uh, as well as I thought he was going to be, he hasn't had the seasons that I thought. Now, Ayuk has been a slow starter in both of his first two seasons so far. He's played well in the second half of both of those seasons, but skill-wise, definitely surprising considering that Lamb and Judy, the two pro- the types of prospects they were in comparison, that they would go in that direction. So what I'm saying is they go unconventionally with that, where they'll draft other positions at much higher value, like defensive linemen, like we've seen them do with offensive linemen too early in the draft, where I don't know if they'll end up doing that kind of thing for even if they do end up getting the 10th pick. And that's why I think in terms of that kind of trade, it's going to be very hard. Now, the Niners are obviously going to push for a first-round pick if they're going to trade for Debo Samuel, and they should get it with the year he had last year and the kind of weapon that he is. We've seen on these on these draft Twitters now, a lot of people say, all right, who's in this class is going to be the next Debo Samuel? A lot of people are going to be inspired by that kind of year, that kind of hybrid player that is the norm of the modern league now. So... Is that going to leverage value for the Niners to trade him, or is that going to leverage value for the Niners to keep him even more and maybe overpay if they have to? It's going to be very, very interesting over the next couple of weeks. Remember, the draft is, I think, April 28th. I think, yeah, it's the day before your birthday. Yeah, it's It was April on your 20th. birthday last year, so we didn't do a show. But. Yeah, so I, I, it's still going to be the draft April 29th because my, my birthday is Yeah, it'll be the Friday. Second, second, third round picks. It's yeah. Friday, yeah. so it, it starts on Thursday, so it's April 28th. So I expect, I expect to hear something with Debo Samuels before that. So they got two or three weeks to decide what they're doing with him because if you decide to hold on to him, you're going to have an angry guy going into OTAs after the draft. Right. And you don't want Debo Samuel to not show up to the, you know, to practices and, 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 and the offseason because you need him at 100%. If you don't believe that he's going to come and you don't believe he's going to play this year, uh, trade him and get as much as you can back. And right now with the Jets – and other teams, there are what four teams with two top ten, two two first round draft. Yeah, picks? now the Saints because they just made the trade with the Eagles. I mean, there are two. T- there were four, t- four or five teams. With- yeah, Detroit and the Giants were the other two. Yeah, and Houston now too. And the Jets. So there are the four Jets, or five yeah. teams that have two first round draft picks. So if if you really want a player, and this is the, this might be the best year to trade Debo Samuel and get as much as you possibly can back for him. The other thing that's fascinating with Hiv is because he's that hybrid type of player, RGM's going to warrant that even more when it comes to leveraging what they could get back in a trade. Because he's a weapon in so many different facets. It's not going to matter. I, I I don't think it will either, just because I think I think league teams are valuing that in today's league. But it also, again, could warrant where the Niners might he's be asking a, for too much. He's, he's worth one in a three. That's, where That's I what I think, too. But he's, he's worth one in a three. If the Jets trade uh, the, a top ten pick, he, you, might, you could probably get him for one in a four. You know what I mean? Because a top ten pick... For a wide receiver that you got in the second round, yes, he's been a, one of the best wide receivers in the league, but he's not hes not amongst the three top elite wide receivers. Not as a pure wide receiver, but again, the running does help. Doesn't so. matter. That's not what they're going to look at. They're, if you're going to try to compare him to Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill and what they got, what teams got, you know, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams for, Ty, Ty, Tyreek was a first, a second, uh, a fourth, and two sixths. Uh, and something else, I, I can't see you get that for uh, uh, Debo Samuels. You, you, you get a top ten. The Jets weren't willing to trade the top ten pick for Tyreek Hill, okay? And and they were for DK Metcalf, which makes no sense. That's why I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that either. Yeah, you know, so I don't believe that. And I think you know, coming from the Jets camp, that 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 story was a lie. But um, I I think if they you're getting a top ten pick, you you're making that trade for DK Metcalf, but. I think Debo Samuel, you can if you trade that top ten pick in a in a fourth or a third, uh, I think that seals the deal. I think that'll make uh, that'll 
That'll make San Francisco very, very happy. It'll take away a contract that they don't have to pay. Uh, they can decide what they do with Jimmy sometime at the end of the season and save themselves a lot of money. So, And they get the wide receiver that they want in this year's draft, which I th- still think is, is still loaded with five or six really good yep. wide receivers. Oh, plenty of wide receiver depth if they want to go that. Now, the Niners could go un- unk eventually. Now, uh, a name that's been brought up by a lot of our draft analysts has been Christian Watson for a second-round pick because they don't have a first right now. And he played with Trey Lance. I'm not sure how much because Trey Lance didn't play a lot of games in college, but they, maybe that's the connection. He's they not could a first-round draft pick. No, but, I, but I'm saying like the Niners, because they're so unconventional with that, that could be a direction they end up going in. But, yeah, there's tons of depth. I think in terms what of is the, he? I think he's a third-round draft pick. He's probably going to be a second-round pick because he had, he had a strong combine, so. And like Jeff was saying, if there is a run of like five or six receivers in the first round, somebody might say, all right, maybe we have to start the trend in the second round and he'll end up going there. I don't think it'll be a first round pick, but I, I definitely can see it as a second round pick. But the Niners do draft that kind of thing unconventionally, so it wouldn't surprise me. But I think well, if they get the Jets 10th, they could trade down. They could. They could get a second and trade down to the end of the first and put themselves in position to get. You know, two wide receivers. Well, they still have their own one. second, so I, I think they'll be able to make that work because they didn't have to trade that to Miami last year when they traded up for Trey Lance. So they they only had to give up the three first and an extra third. So they still have their own second. If he's still there at that point, they might have to trade up in the second round. There's a lot of different scenarios, but there's no guarantee that the Niners even draft a receiver at number 10 either. They might have to draft secondary. They could draft offensive line because they lost a couple of offensive linemen this offseason. So in a very deep offensive line draft, they could take advantage of that. And that's been the trends of John Lynch so far. It's mm-hmm. all in the trenches within the first couple rounds. Uh, outside of Ayuk, I think Ayuk was the only first, and Lance, were the only first-round picks that weren't offensive or defensive linemen, even when they didn't even necessarily need them. Like, Nick Bosa's a luxury. He's a great player, but he was a luxury for that defensive line, and so is Kidlaw. So I, I think that this Debo Samuel story is going to be a very interesting story uh, before the draft, and I think if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, you don't want to lose Debo Samuels, but... You also have to look at the big picture and, and the position that San Francisco is in. And they're in the driver's seat right now to get, you know, if they can get the 10th pick and, and, and another pick uh, after losing uh, their next two years of first-round draft picks. I mean, that they get their Trey Lance, they get their quarterback of the future, then, you know, if you can't, you can't keep Debo Samuel, if he's going to want 140 or $130 million yeah. when he becomes available – uh, you're not going to be able to pay him. You might as well get something back for him before he becomes available in you know restrict you know free agency. So, and I think next year he is uh, a free agent. Yeah, where you're going to have to either you know, obviously if if you uh, what what franchise franchise him, he's going to not play. So, and then you're going to have to trade him anyway. So, uh, with all the first round draft picks and first round stock that they have, right? You know, all the different teams that have it. This is the year to make the move and, and trade Debo. So, yeah. And he might be the market setter for a I mean, the Lions need a fly receiver. I mean, mm-hmm. they would love Debo Samuel. The Jets are I another team. I see the Saints because the Saints have two first-round picks now, too, so they could trade one of them. Yeah, but you're, you're going to have to give up more than that. I mean, if you're, you're sitting there at, at, what, 18 and 19? I think it's 16 and 19 for them. Yeah. And I think the only reason I say the Saints is because Unlike teams like the Jets and the Lions, like the Saints, like they have a roster that's outside of the quarterback. Well, they could trade Michael Thomas in that trade. That's what I'm thinking too. Besides the passing game, like the quarterback receiver, like they have everything else like pretty well. Offensive line's very good. Obviously, Kamara's still there, barring the fact that he gets suspended for his off-field incident. But 
the offensive line is very good. Their defense is still very good in the front seven. They could use a little more corner depth, but they, still, I think they're all right there. Nobody the, gives Michael Thomas any credit. I, you know, it's a shame. He he missed a whole season last year. He did have a major injury. Yeah, he's he had one too, of the best 2019 seasons. He's so. too good of a player to people to just give up on him. He, what is he, 28 years old? Yeah, he's it's still, just a matter of because he hasn't played it two he, years. Can I speak for a second before you keep cutting me off? I, I think that when you look at Michael Thomas and, and the position that they're it's the Saints are in the driver's seat right now. They're not keeping Michael Thomas. I mean, that's pretty it's pretty clear what what is going on this offseason. So if they're moving Michael Thomas and San Francisco could get Michael Thomas, I mean, that's not that's not a I mean, if you think about it, if anything, if Michael Thomas is healthy, that's an upgrade for Debo Samuels because Michael Thomas was the best wide receiver in the league at one point. A couple of years ago, the fact that he got hurt and he hasn't been healthy and no Drew Brees, I mean, that's affected his game. But you put him over there with uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I know Jimmy's not, you know, Drew Brees, but I think that's a good fit. I think and you and you, and you could get a first round and Michael Thomas for uh, Debo Samuels. I make that trade. Yeah, it's interesting because Michael Thomas, we know he's definitely capable of that kind of thing. Now, how will he be after not playing for two years is another question. It's not a big deal. But 2019, he was the best performance wide receiver. He had a great year, record-setting year for that season, considering he had Drew Brees out for six games as well. So he was playing a lot of those numbers he could put up with Teddy Bridgewater, and Alvin Kamara was hurt too. So if the Niners have to deal with all the injury issues they had to deal with last year where they were missing all those running backs, Kittle was hurt at points in the middle of the season too. We've seen Michael Thomas be able to carry the load if they need to do that. And they get an additional first-round pick back, which they could use in another position. They could draft a corner. They could draft an offensive lineman. Yeah, that's a nice trade if they are able to pull it off. Now, obviously, Debo's younger and more durable and obviously a better scheme fit than Michael Thomas is for the that's Kyle a Shanahan great trade. offense. But it's still a brilliant trade from a football perspective where I trust Kyle Shanahan to make that kind of thing work. Michael, how, how about a fit can Michael Thomas be? A guy that's been in the slot, has been on the outside guy. Now, again... How much speed will he lose? Because he wasn't overly fast to begin with. Can we, can we not tell you? It doesn't matter how much speed he has. If he has good hands, he can go out and get the ball. It's not, his game is not about speed. Michael Thomas's game is about running, uh, running routes, and he's a good route runner. And if he could still run the routes that he runs, he could catch the ball. I expect Michael Thomas, he, 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 it makes a lot of sense uh, to trade him for Debo Samuels in a first-round draft pick. That gets it done. That'll make San Francisco very happy. So they get the wide receiver that fills in for Debo Samuels for now, and then they get the wide receiver of the future that could take over for Michael Thomas when they decide to part ways with him, maybe in the offseason mm-hmm. after that. So I think it's a good move. Stark says, I don't know. I, I have it on good authority from a sultan that CeeDee Lamb is a bum. <laughs> Today is National Burrito Day, and I hope the show properly celebrates it. <laughs> Debo Samuels, Seattle for Debo. DK Metcalf and two first-round picks. Uh, Michael Thomas and I like diving in golf ponds for golf balls. It's great exercise as well as fun and profitable. By the way, uh, Tiger Woods had a good day, by the way. He shot for par, and uh, I don't know if he makes the cut. Uh, He might barely make the cut, but uh, if you're a Tiger Woods fan, that's a good sign. Playing at the Masters hasn't played in what? Two years? He hasn't play- I don't think he's played in a major tournament since he won the Masters three years ago. Yeah, so it's been two years since he's been on a field. And it, it, did he make the cut? I'm not sure if he made the cut, but I think he could have. I, he I mean, finished with a minus one, so he was tied for 10th, I would imagine. He so made he, made, he made the cut. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a Tiger Woods fan and he's tied for 10th, I mean, could you imagine Tiger Woods at you know the final day on Sunday? 
he's fighting and he's playing for the Masters. I mean, fight for the championship. Mm-hmm. That's a great story. If if you're a, if you're rooting for a guy that uh, you know obviously has had bad luck the last couple of years, had yeah, a, that car man, accident, that yeah. car accident could could have killed him. Right. I mean, that was a terrible accident, and the fact that he's still standing on his two feet, the back surgeries that he's had, the knee surgeries that he's had, all the press and the bad press that he's had, he's still standing. He's still playing golf. I, I mean. If you're a Tiger Woods fan or you're a sports fan, uh, that's a great story to hear that Tiger Woods had. You know, it was tenth tenth yeah. place in the Masters. He was nearly he was nearly paralyzed last year after that car accident. Now it was scary, and now he's a year later back on the Masters on the Masters golf course. Gotta love it. No, it's uh, a great story. Stuck says we used to take Tiger with us, but he's always grumpy. Nah, Tiger's not grumpy. Come on, Stuck, you're better than that. And the lead story right now on ESPN: Tiger does not look ready to play like an old man. So there you go. Uh, so he will be going into round number two in tied in 10th place. So, I mean, and obviously there are players right now at negative three, uh, minus three, minus four, and minus five. But the, the lead guy right now is minus five. That means he's four behind the lead guy. And that's not, that's not crazy for Tiger Woods to make a run yeah, in the second, time. you know, the second or third day to catch up. So, uh, hopefully, Tiger plays well. There's only one American, uh, which is right now in third place, and that's uh, Mr. Johnson, Dustin Johnson. So, hopefully, uh, Tiger plays throughout the Masters and fights for that. You know, maybe uh, another another green jacket. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a story. A lot of a lot of Americans represented in this uh, in this top. I would say twenty or so. I'm looking at the top three. Yeah, the top three there aren't any, but. There uh, is three. Uh, well, Dustin Johnson. Or tied for, yeah, tied for third. Yeah, tied for third. There's a couple. There's one then, American. And then there's a couple Americans at the minus two and the minus one range, the same with Tiger Woods as well. So good, pretty good representation for for that. I don't know what pretty good representation. I mean, there's a lot of Americans in this tournament. So you expect uh, America has one of the best all-around teams. The Ryder Cup, they uh, have some of the best players in the world. But the fact that Tiger Woods is in 10th place or tied in 10th place right now that's a that's a great story very for sports. Yeah. It is a very good story, mm-hmm. and if you're a sports fan or you're a Tiger Woods fan, you can you can only think that if Tiger Woods stays in this tournament and plays as well as he did today, uh, it'll be a fun Sunday to watch the Masters uh, in the final day in the final game of play. So, um, and I, I I hope the best I hope for the best for Tigers because Tiger because even though I'm not a big Tiger Woods fan and I've I've read a lot of stories about how mean of a player he is on and off the court, uh, he really took that sport to the next level. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's the Michael Jordan of of uh, golf, and you expect him, uh, when he comes back, to like Michael Jordan did, to, to be at the top of his game. And this is a story. It, it, the fact that he's in a top 10 in the first round of golf, not playing for two years, that is some story. Uh, that's sensational. It's a crazy story. So um, yeah. good job for Tiger, and ex- expect and hope that he stays in the, uh, you know, in the tournament, so he can, you know, catch up maybe to the leading board. So yeah, that would be something. Yeah. So um, great story. Um, as far as uh, what else do we have? The we Lakers. Have to, the we were Lakers. Talking about oh yes. Today. Yeah. Okay. So there are stories coming out from L.A. that Anthony Davis is starting to. They're, they're starting to take calls for Anthony Davis. Okay. This isn't surprising. If you're a Lakers fan, the Lakers are now out of the playoffs. Uh, it's a real big surprise. And a lot of people are saying through social media, don't ever compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan because even with the season that LeBron James has had, and he's had a sensational, sensational. year. 
He for a guy that's 37 years old, going to be 38, and had the year that he had, averaging 30 points. He had the best season all, overall when it comes to numbers than he ever had. Okay, in his career, but his team didn't make the playoffs, and. We know LeBron James, if your team doesn't make the playoffs and you can't lead your team to the playoffs, there's a problem there. And with the roster that they put together of old players that he wanted to play with, the Carmelo Anthony's of the world, the Russell Westbrook's of the world, it didn't work. And now LeBron James came out in the middle of the season and said that he wants to play with his son. Bronny, probably in two years, this is his senior year, he's going to either play college ball for his first year or the G League. And then he's going to go put himself in the NBA draft. Whoever, wherever he gets drafted, I expect LeBron James to do the year-to-year contract. And that's why in the offseason, if I were the Lakers, i trade LeBron James. I would figure out you know, who and what you're going to offer me for LeBron James because he has one more year left on his contract, I think it is. Yeah. And then he's a free agent. And what does that mean? Well, his free agent year, his son is going into the NBA draft. So wherever his son signs, that's where he's playing. So if it's the Knicks, if it's the Nets, if it's the, I don't know, Utah Jazz or Oklahoma Thunder, that's where he's going. So um, it's very, very interesting moving forward. And if I were the Lakers, and you know, you've already – You've already reached your higher heights. You've won a championship with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I would absolutely, in the offseason, look for the best deal you possibly get for Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, in the last two seasons, has not been healthy. He's had a little bit of knee problems. Uh, I know he wants to go to a big market. You know, there's a team right now in Chicago he would love to be traded to. He grew up in Chicago. He's a Chicago Bulls fan through and through. Uh, Michael Jordan, a.k.a. Um, you know, he grew his six, seven inches over there in Chicago when he was playing high school ball as a point guard. Right. Um, I think it makes a lot. Chicago's got pieces, and and you could get a lot back from Chicago to, for for Anthony Davis. Another team that he wanted to go to was the Knicks, and the Knicks with the picks that they have and some of the players, young players that they have. If the Lakers are trying to rebuild, I mean, to get Julius Randle for Anthony Davis, it's not. I mean, it's not too off. Anthony Davis had, what, 24 points? Average, yeah, he was down as a scorer. I mean, he, averaged, he was good in other areas. He but, averaged yeah. 24 points and 10 rebounds and two, three blocks th- this year. I mean, Julius Randle averaged nine rebounds and 20, 20 points and whatever he had, uh, you know, assist, five or four assists. He had an offseason. Both of them had offseasons. You put Julius Randle in that trade, which the contracts don't fall far from each other. Um, and maybe some young pieces and a, and a couple of draft picks. I, I think if if you the Knicks offer three first round draft picks, Julius Randle and Obi Toppin, I think that will absolutely seal the deal for Anthony Davis. Yeah, you wonder his market too because of the injuries that he's had now too. And he's obviously he came into the league as a, as a nineteen year old when he was drafted, but still, again. With the injuries for his size, somebody his size, 36 games he only played last year, and then only 40 games so far this year still hurt, hasn't come back yet. So what will what will that value end up spawning for the Lakers' standpoint? And also, what impact would that make on a potential LeBron trade, too? Because if you trade Anthony Davis, LeBron announcing that he wants to play with his son, so a team's going to take I on— I think LeBron's gone yeah. at the end of the season. But 
it, the Lakers might end up still not getting as much as they could for LeBron. As talented of a player he is, he's a fantastic player just because of the... They'll get a couple of first-round draft picks for him. I, I think the Lakers need to think of their future. Right. They're not winning anymore. They're an older team. They got to build... They practically give away all their pieces for Anthony Davis and all that other stuff. All those first-round draft picks that they built over the years, they're gone. Yeah. I mean, they're all gone because they wanted to win a championship. They won their championship... Uh, when it was the, uh, what did they call it? The, the bubble, yeah. The bubble league. They won their championship. Now LeBron already said that he wants to play with his son. And I don't think Anthony Davis will be a Nick. I think there's a better chance for Donovan Mitchell, which there's yes. stories coming out of Utah, uh, that Donovan only has three teams that he wants to play for, and, and the number one team that he wants to play for is the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to go home. He grew up here, grew up a Nick fan. Uh, the question is, what do the Knicks have to give up for one of the top five, top seven players in the league? And you're going to have to give up a significant amount back for a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I know I don't want to hear this, but R.J. Barrett is definitely a player that you're going to have right. to swing in this trade. Just because they're very similar types of players. Yes, yeah. uh, to get him. Now, if the Knicks aren't willing to trade R.J. because they want to keep him as a piece to play with Donovan – they're going to have to give up other pieces, uh, other young players. Maybe a quickly Opie Toppin, Julius Randle, and three or four first-round draft picks for Mitchell. And that really sets you back because then you got to rebuild again and, and got to hope that another superstar is going to come and play with Donovan Mitchell, RJ, uh, next year or the year after, which they'll still have money, by the way, uh, because Julius Randle's contract will be up. Right. You know, all, I mean, gone. So... You'll, you, it's going to be very interesting on this whole Donovan Mitchell saga. Now, I've also heard Miami is another team that, with all the pieces they have, and Jimmy Butler, he's a younger Jimmy Butler. Right. Maybe in the offseason they add Jimmy Butler in a trade and some other pieces, and maybe Miami gets Donovan Mitchell. So uh, it, it's going to be very, very interesting. And, and remember the Lakers, uh, Donovan Mitchell for Anthony Davis, I mean, and other pieces. So that could happen too. Yeah, you wonder two different things with the Donovan Mitchell spectrum of this too because the Jazz have already said that Quinn Snyder might be on the hot seat if they don't do better in the playoffs than they have because they've had a couple duds the last couple of years. They had the, a great run in Mitchell's rookie year the first two years when they were kind of more underdogs, but since they've become more of the favorites, top three seeds, they haven't done as well. They blew a 3-1 lead in the bubble against Denver. Last year they were the number one seed and lost to a Clippers team that had no Kawhi Leonard and I think for a couple of games no Paul George either and they lost to that team as well. So I think that's that time clock might be ticking there. So if he ends up getting fired or he ends up uh, getting on the hot seat, that might force Mitchell out and maybe drop his value where a team like the Knicks could definitely get it even more. Now, the Knicks have the draft picks. The Knicks have a lot of young talent to trade for that kind of thing. And the same kind of thing with Anthony Davis, too, with all these other rumors, especially with all these older players that they have. If the rumors keep swirling more where they're going to lose value, that's going to help a team like the Knicks even more where they might not, they definitely won't have to trade R.J. Barrett in that case, and they might not have to trade less of the young players, too. So it could be a very patient game, too. Now, Miami, the other team you brought up, that they have a lot of the depth from all the guys that have played well this year when Butler's been hurt, Lowry's been hurt at certain points this year. So I think they have a little more of an edge. And Pat Riley, we know he, he does brilliant things there. Pat Riley's looking for stars. And if Anthony Davis and Donovan Mitchell become available, expect him to go after one of them. Yep. and Or both of them. Maybe. Because the, the Miami Heat were always thought of as that team like the Lakers. You were waiting for them to finally make the big swing. When the Lakers initially got LeBron in 2018, they were always thought of, all right, they have all this young talent. Are they going to trade it for a superstar? Then they did it again for Anthony Davis the, later that season. So they built that core. Now Miami's kind of thought of in that direction too. Now they 
did in free agency already with Kyle Lowry, but that's really it. Jimmy Butler's the only other max contract that they have there. So I think maybe this is the time that they're thinking, okay, we can pull the trigger. Will it be for Anthony Davis? It's a possibility, but it's more likely for Chicago or New York than for Anthony Davis, I would say. So Mitchell's probably more likely for Miami. We'll see what happens. I expect Pat Riley to go after one of them. I just don't know which one of them. I do believe that he wants to be a Nick. Out of all the... Out of Anthony Davis and Donovan Mitchell, I think Donovan Mitchell wants to go home. Yes. So uh, I expect him to try to push his way out to New York. The question is, do the Knicks have enough to get him? And are they willing to trade away all the pieces that they've built over the years where the Knicks didn't trade away pieces and young talent uh, to, you know, they didn't trade Grimes, uh, you know, for what's his name again uh, in the off season. Uh, I mean, in, during the season this year, because they liked Grimes and they believed in him. Oh, who did they bring? DeRoz- in it was DeRozan. They were rumored for. And no, they- no, I'm talking about uh, the kid that they brought from Atlanta. Oh, uh, Redis. Yeah, Re- they, they Red, uh, Atlanta wanted Grimes, and the Knicks were not willing to give away their prospect. Now you're talking about Donovan Mitchell. You're talking about possibly giving up maybe two or three prospects, three first round draft picks. And Julius Randle. Right. I mean, or R.J. Barrett. I mean, where it sets your team back. Because as good as Donovan Mitchell is, and he's sensational, he's not going to put your team over the hump. If you lose R.J. Barrett, you're setting your team back again. Then you're going to have to rebuild around Donovan Mitchell. And then you got to wait until another superstar becomes available. Right. You don't want to keep playing this chasing game. Uh, if if you if you're gonna go after Donovan Mitchell, you have to find a way to keep RJ mm-hmm. because RJ is that young superstar that Donovan wants to play with, and then you decide what you're doing for that third guy. And if you can bring in a third guy, maybe an Anthony Davis. Uh, I don't know if you're gonna be able to trade anything else, but yeah. uh, if it's not Anthony Davis, whoever becomes, I don't know with the free agency market next year. But maybe you bring in another free agent to come and play with them. I don't know what it is. Maybe. Yeah. Now you, the, the other thing too that's interesting is the leverage points that both of those players have. Zion's another interesting one because uh, he's always Hurts. expressed interest in playing with RJ Barrett and being drafted by the Knicks at the time. So yeah, they, that's going to be a, a definitely interesting option. Neither Donovan Mitchell nor Anthony Davis has had an, a lot of the uh, the leverage of picking who they want to play with. Now LeBron obviously brought him in, wanted it, wanted him to come to the Lakers, so they traded for him. But that wasn't really Anthony Davis's. He wasn't really the main na- uh, guy driving that on. LeBron was. So maybe a Bradley Beal. That's interesting too. Yeah, Bradley Beal, who it, Zach Levine is. It, yeah, they have the bird rights. They have the bird rights still of him, um, but he he is he's a restricted free agent or something <laughs> like that. That's actually really interesting. Zach Levine's gotten only better and better every season, so he's on an upside. Doesn't get hurt a lot. Yeah, that's actually a really nice piece if somehow he becomes available. If Chicago, yeah, if, let's say Chicago wants to trade for Anthony Davis, they might have to make that to make the money work because they already have the other max contracts on that team with all the all the money they spent this offseason with DeRozan too. The real the three names uh, to look forward to is. James Harden, who yep. is available at the end of the season. Uh, Bradley Beal. Kyrie Irving, who is a free agent. Yep. Uh, but I, I believe the Nets will re-sign him. And Zach Levine, he's, he's restricted. He's not unrestricted. Right. So those are the four big names. On, and John Wall, but he's not a big name anymore. No. So James Harden, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, and Zach Levine. Hmm. Yeah. That, so, it's a lot, of interesting, a, lot, a lot of interesting points because of those – 
player relationships. Don't want James Harden. I don't want James Harden either. No, stay away. Kyrie Irving, maybe, but I, I, I think Kyrie is not going to jump ship to go to the Knicks. No, I, I just think with all the off-court drama, too, I don't know if I necessarily want Kyrie Irving. Bradley Beal or Zach Levine? I would be very encouraged with Zach Levine, for sure. Bradley Beal I like a lot, too, and it's actually improved defensively the last couple of years as well, where if... This is a big if because there's no guarantee he stays. If Tom Thibodeau is still there, he could even make him even better. And also the leverage point of maybe one of the, Bradley Beal will come up and say, "All right, if he was a free agent, I want you. I want to play with Donovan Mitchell, or I want to play with so Anthony if, Davis." If you have it like this, you you play. If if you can somehow get pry Donovan Mitchell from Utah, you have Donovan play the point guard position. Yep. Bradley Beal play play the two. And RJ play the three. Right. I mean, and then you that then you have your three guys. Your your three guys. Uh, that you could build around. And then, I mean, if you keep Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson, you have him as your center, a young center, and uh, you find somebody to play you for. Right. You know, uh, either through free agency or if you still have Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin. Yeah, or yeah, any of the young players that they drafted, they could maneuver guys around to make that kind of thing work. Because the Knicks at that point, yeah, they might lose some of the other draft picks, but they might not even have to give up tra- some of their own draft picks if all they trade for is Donovan Mitchell. They'll still have some picks left. Too, no, they, they won't. Well, they have the, they have the Dallas picks still. They're going to so. have to give those all up. They're, you're talking about three or four first round draft picks. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to give up a lot for Donovan Mitchell. You think they're just gonna give him away? No, no, they're not just gonna give him away. What I'm saying is because the Knicks still have these other Julius Randle. I would say three or four, four first round draft picks and another player. Okay, which is fair too. But that, that that being said, if they don't have to give up Obi Toppin, for example, then Obi Toppin would be your four. If they don't, if they have to give up Obi Toppin, then maybe you go with a smaller lineup or you swap another young, let's say a young, young wing player for a young power forward or something like that. Because we've seen teams do that as well, where they'll just swap young player for young player. Cleveland did that this year with uh, with Laurie Market, and they brought him in as kind of that role player type four. We've seen Toronto do that with a couple of players. So the Knicks might have that option where if they have a particular four that they would want to do with, maybe even in the trade, too, with Mitchell, too. If Donovan Mitchell goes to the Knicks, that will that would you know open the eyes to Bradley Beal on why he should go there. Yep. You know what I mean? So, uh, to me, you have Donovan Mitchell, you have a young, young superstar right in front of our eyes playing as well as he is right now, R.J. Barrett, and then... You bring in, but the Knicks might say, you know what? We can win with two guys. We can win with RJ and Donovan Mitchell. Right. Donovan could give us 30 points a game. RJ can give us 25. Uh, we're getting enough points from our stars and get enough from our bench, from a young player. So they might not go after a third guy. They might say, you know what? Donovan Mitchell's enough with RJ. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and we're seeing that now with the way teams build. It's not always just the big three veteran guys and you can get away with just having bad depth like we saw the LeBron Heat team do and uh, teams like that Golden State for a little bit there they didn't have a lot of depth their first team did but teams now Phoenix that went to the finals and now has the best record in the NBA by a pretty big margin this year they have a lot of depth Milwaukee had depth last year Toronto when they won their championship forget about the Grizzlies Grizzlies on a lot of depth I love their depth off the bench too so the Knicks might be considering that kind of mold too where they might just have to go after one free agent and try to keep as much of their good depth well, Donovan as is Donovan Mitchell's not a free agent No not him I'm talking about if they bring in let's say they bring in Beal and they won't win do you see if they get Donovan Mitchell, that will rise in the New York fan because you got a New York representative, a New York guy coming home to play in the place that he always wanted to play, where the Knicks should have drafted him at fourteen the way they should have. Stupid, you know, stupid move by the Knicks and Phil Jackson when they did it. <laughs> but that's a whole nother story. 
Um, and then you have RJ, your draft pick, and you have the two players uh, that you know are going to be the future of this team and where this team goes. And then you go and you look at players. Maybe you make a trade for Damian Lillard in the offseason uh, where I don't think they'll trade him, but he's not worth what you know they could have gotten two years ago when he was right. at the top of his game. Yeah. So you could bring in a player, a veteran player, to come and play with these guys, the younger guys, to help you win. Or you could just build around youth and try to win with the depth that you were talking about. Bringing in Beal, I just don't – Beal and RJ is not going to help you win because I, I just – I think Donovan will charge up this team into a, a different team. And I think he wants to be here. I don't think Beal wants to be here. No, it's I don't think the Knicks are the lead for Beal. No, I'm just saying. He, I don't. I, Donovan wants to come home. This is where he lives. This is where his family is. This is where he grew up. He grew up a Met fan. He, he grew up a Knicks fan. He grew up a Yankee. I mean, not a Yankee fan, uh, an Islander fan. So this is where he wants to be. So give him the opportunity to come home. That's that's the way I would look at it. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting you brought up Damian Lillard, too, because I think they're kind of in the same boat as the Lakers are in now, where Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis both were, like, their peak value was probably two Here's years another ago. Thing. Here's another thing. You could bring in Donovan Mitchell, you can have RJ, and bring in a, a nice, good point guard in Bruner, okay? Oh, Brunson, yeah. Brunson, I'm sorry. Brunson from yeah. Dallas, yeah. who's a free agent. You have another guy that is a hometown player, that wants to come home and play for the Knicks. So you have a point guard that will score you 15, 16 points. You got a Donovan Mitchell that's going to give you 26 to 30. And you have RJ that's going to give you 20 to 25. You got a pretty good starting lineup right there. And players that want to be here. Mm-hmm. Snuck says, is Bronny going to even get drafted? Yes. Uh, yeah, probably just because of the name. First uh, round, top 10 pick. No uh, matter where he goes. I thought KD wanted to go to the Knicks. Yeah, that was three years ago, and they're not in that anymore. He's just trying to mock. Uh, wh- why would the Lakers trade one from another? AD is always injured, and Julius Randle's been checked out since before the playoffs last year. Met got just got cloggered in the head, by the way. Like Pete Alonso got hit in the head. Oh, boy. Yeah, just what they need right now. Yeah, John, Dominic Smith just came in to pinch run, so definitely something. Uh, Snuggles was down for Mitchell for DK Metcalf really shake things up. James Harden and Kyrie Irving the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, you need a, like a Steve Cohen like owner for that. And I'd love to hear Donovan Mitchell's thoughts on Matt Barzal. <laughs> well, if he is an Islander fan, yeah, maybe we'll get that kind of information. Fan. Yeah, maybe, maybe you can get that information. I have seen Snuggles. plenty of times. Uh, you know, I've seen plenty of times uh, pictures of. Uh, what you call it again? Wearing yeah, Donovan Islander. Mitchell's Don- come, like pregame. He'll wear. He's worn Mets attire and Islanders attire. I've, I've seen, seen him wear. Yeah. I've seen him wear Don- uh, New York Islanders attire. So I I know he's an Islander fan. So and he was there when the Islanders made the playoffs, the two Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, um, Easter Conference Easter Conference Finals. Finals. He was at some of the games. So he he's an Islander fan, and I I think he would like to come home and 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 have the opportunity to play. Uh, in with the team that he grew up playing, you know, wishing that he played for, mm-hmm. which should have drafted him at fourteen when they had the chance to. Well, they were at eight. They were at eight. They drafted Nilakina at eight. Yeah. No. And where's Nilakina? Uh, I, I think he's in Dallas too now. I think he's coming off the bench or something like that. But uh, I mean, Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, both New York natives. Would, I I think would love to play here. Yeah, I could come come and play with RJ, and you you have two three really good players uh, to lead this team. I don't know if a championship team yet, but if you add some pieces to come and play with them, young players, maybe you get it right, you know, in one of these drafts. Right. If you keep one of these first-round draft picks and you get it right on one of them, 
you're in pretty good shape. Maybe they can get it right and actually play their young players more often, too, and not have them uh, not wear out the starters throughout the year, either. <laughs> and, well, didn't they do? Who did they trade uh, the first-round draft pick for Mello? Uh, do, uh, no, no. They gave up the first-round draft pick this year, the Mello pick. Uh, not the Mello pick. Um, they gave up the Hornets pick for Reddish in that deal. Did they? And then, the, yeah, and the, yeah that, that was the one pick they traded for Cam Reddish. What I then, would do with Cam Reddish right now is I would – I would sign and trade him and try to get something okay. back for him. Maybe yeah. a first-round draft pick. Yeah, because they have a lot of wing players. They could probably afford to do Maybe that. Maybe trade for a mid-first-round draft pick for him and get another first-round draft pick for him. Hmm. You know, something like that. They're going to have to do something. Well, yeah. And it, definitely. They're, they they're, can't just let him go. Yeah, because it's interesting because a lot of the things were with him versus Thibodeau type thing. And if or you were, keep him. Yeah. Or you keep him as another piece off the bench or a, a starting player. It's it's definitely worth exploring though too because they the the Knicks it's weird like for a while they're like uh, they don't have enough wing players they always had just big men or they always just had like a lot of veteran type guys or veteran big men that they, they got too many shooters now. they have too many wing players that not all of them get a playing time we we were talking about it on the weekend crunch like Quigley when he's been playing point guard hasn't been as good he's better as a two here's like, the problem with Quigley he's too small to be a point guard I mean he's too he he can't he's not a good ball handler to be a point guard yeah. and he's not. He's not big enough to be a shooting guard. He's like in between. He's a tweener. Right. And that's what sucks about him because he could – I think he could be an everyday player, but he's really a six-man off the bench. I could see quickly when he gets – when he becomes a veteran player in this league to be another Jamal Crawford, a six-man of the year every single year. But uh, that's the question what the Knicks are going to do. Are they going to keep him? Are they going to sign him? Or are they going to let him go into free agency like they've done plenty of times? And those players become good somewhere else. But so. even just wing players as a whole, too. Like, they're getting bigger. Like, even the young players that are drafting now. We, t- we were talking about the Grizzlies, too. A lot of their guys off the bench, too. And even some of the ones that have been playing uh, shooting guard and small forward. They're all big guys now, too. Phoenix, the same kind of, kind of thing. Cameron Johnson's a big guy. Mikael Bridges, I think, is six foot seven. Like, they have all these guys that are just big shooters now. And maybe the Knicks kind of miss- missed the trend a little bit with that kind of thing. Not that Quigley is a bad player. He's a good player. But they don't really... Like, McBride is like that kind of player. Grimes is that kind of player. There, but they need the they other guys. Quickly at twenty six, yeah, and maybe as a result, those kinds of players will start to not be drafted as often because it's a big man starting a big man shooting league now too. But it's also more of a wing dominant league if you don't have those electric point guards and even the point guards too. Like a lot of them, they're not as prominent as they used to be. Like maybe five six years ago too. Now more, it's more of the point forwards type where you have they're going to be looking for the next Giannis's rather than the next Steph Curry's. Well, it's going to be very very interesting, but. Again, I'm not surprised, you know, with, with the situation where uh, the Knicks are uh, and what they're going to do, you know, moving forward as an organization and as a team. But it's going to be qu- it's going to be very, very interesting, and and and, and there's going to be a lot of questions in the offseason on what they're going to do with Tom Thibodeau, mm-hmm. because as good as he was last year, as good as he was winning Coach of the Year, this has been a bad season for them, and a lot of the young players have not developed. They've gotten worse. And Julius Randle, again, was played too much. Uh, he's hurt this team. And when you're the coach of the team and you know he's hurt your team, why is he still on the court? Why is he playing? And um, you could see that the fans didn't want him on the court. So, I, you know, Tom Thibodeau's going to have a lot to, you know, a lot of uh, to talk about with the management because uh, I know Rose was not happy with this roster and right. the way the roster's played. And uh, I expect some changes. Um, it could be changes with Tom Thibodeau because I just don't think 
As much as I like Tom, I just think he, already he's worn out his welcome over here with some of the young players. And they need to get a guy in here that's going to help develop these young players. And you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Kenny Atkinson. You you mentioned that, and it's weird. It was actually ironic when you were uh, when you initially wrote that article w- r- wanting Thibodeau to be the coach of the Knicks. I actually was hoping it would be Kenny Atkinson once he got fired from the Nets. I'm like, what? Why would the Nets fire him at that time? And uh, now, I, now it comes full circle where he's still an assistant on the Clippers. Surprising, he hasn't gotten another job yet because he did a very good job. With there that was Nets something team. going on with the you know with the players on the team. That's why he lost the job. That's why they gave it to oh, Steve okay. Nash. That's yeah. what I heard. Um, there was some, he had a problem with one of the, the, I think it was Kyrie. He had a problem with Kyrie. Oh yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. And, uh, there was stuff that wasn't working out there. And I think Kenny wore out his welcome there. He said his things. He said things that he probably regrets saying. And that's why he's sitting there as an assistant coach with the Clippers. Now, if that's the case, I would not use a negative reaction of Kyrie being as a, negative downside to selling his value as a coach with young players. And by the way, he's an assistant coach on the Warriors. Oh, he's with the Warriors now. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, But I don't know if that should necessarily downgrade his value because Kyrie Irving also had a problem with Brad Stevens. And Brad Stevens was still a steadily good coach for a while with the Celtics. It was very good with young players, too. And, again, Kyrie Irving with Cleveland, they had, what, three different coaches there. And he's. uh, I wouldn't wouldn't trust them to be the judgment of – him being coachable as a player because Kyrie Irving says really bumped around all these places. He wants out of everywhere. So I wouldn't sell that as a big point for Kenny Atkinson, not getting another head coaching job. Will it be the Knicks? We'll see, but uh, oh, he'll get another job. Yeah. He should get another job. I would imagine with a team that is it on the younger come up. They will interview Kenny Atkinson. If Tom Thibodeau gets fired, I, unless Tom Thibodeau decides to step down and right. become part of management or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. And he decide they decide to go younger or go with uh, a coach that works better with youth and younger players. Now, uh, Kenny Atkinson's definitely a guy. He's a New York native. He was an assistant coach with the Knicks team for a couple of years. I think he would be a great addition. Uh, ever since Mike Woodson has been gone, this right. defense has not been the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Kenny Atkinson, who preaches defense, uh, preaches team, you know, team Ball unity. And Team Unity, I think Kenny Atkinson would be a good fit with the Knicks. Uh, with the younger players. I like Tom. I just think he's better with uh, a veteran team. This is not a veteran team. They're really not. I mean, Derek Rose, I, I know they extended him this year. I think he's good for the younger players. I think you try to trade him in the offseason. Try mm-hmm. to get something back. Maybe a late first-round pick for sure. him. Julius Randle, if you could trade him. Good riddance. Um, if you could trade him. Um, I do believe they'll find a way to trade him. They're gonna have to take away. They're gonna have to take on a bad contract to get him. Um, you know, I could see if if they do tra- put him in a trade with Donovan Mitchell, they're gonna have to take something back in that trade. So maybe a Conley. You know, who we got? We got Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, man? Jeff, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on, man? I had a question for Speedy. Go ahead. Oh. Speedy, Speedy, how'd Michigan do today, tonight? <laughs> I don't know. College basketball season's over. I guess they didn't lose, though. No, no, no. Frozen Four, how'd Michigan do? Oh, how did they do? I they lost. I didn't, I didn't they lost. I heard they that. lost. I heard Why? That. Trash University. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired at Carl. Did you oh. bet on it? No, no, no. I was at dinner earlier, so I... I 
I missed it. But, I heard the I heard you know, the I heard the Beav reached out to you, bud. Yeah, he did. He's out there yeah. in Tampa, but he's going he's going an hour away from you. He says he was going to meet up with you, and he told me he went to <laughs> he went to the Tampa Tampa University to see all these eighteen year old little girls oh, running gosh. around. He's such a pervert. Oh my he's God. such a pervert. <laughs> yep. Yeah, hey, I offered to buy him a drink. He was like, No, I'm going to so I was like, all right. Dude, well, it, it's, dude I, I'm going to tell you this, man. To get the beef to do anything, first of all, he is 100% for family before anything. And he, you know, he makes it seem like he's so busy. When he's out here, he's like, I got a party to go to. I got a cousin's anniversary. I got a cousin's 13th birthday. I mean, he goes to all these family things. I'm like, dude, do you ever not go to a family thing? The guy lives 110% for everything with his family. His friends yeah, come whatever. like fourth, you know. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. It doesn't bother me. I got you. I know. I'm, I'm just saying. So don't be don't don't feel bad because he he does oh, this I all didn't. the time. <laughs> he does this all the time. <laughs> you know. So, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just was wondering how Michigan did tonight. That's yep. all. For the yeah. Uh, yeah, they lost three uh, two to University of Denver, and now they'll take on uh, Denver. Will take on Minnesota State in the yeah. Frozen Four final, and Michigan. Yes. Uh, Michigan did not win. Well, uh, I want to ask you a question. I mean, I, I'm sure you've been hearing. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of craziness going on now with the NBA. Now that the Lakers are out, uh, these Anthony D- Davis stories are coming out now that they're. They have there are teams that have reached out to them, and I expect them to trade him in the offseason. And the Donovan Mitchell thing, I, I said Pat Riley would be interested in both of them. I mean, obviously the Knicks name will be brought up in both of them. That doesn't mean they're going to get them. But uh, are you surprised that both these players might be available in the offseason? Uh, who knows, right? Like, who knows? I mean, if they're trading Anthony Davis, they need to get something pretty good back, yeah. right? I'm not sure that Anthony Davis has any value. Hmm. That's what we were saying before. It kind of yeah. got diminished the last two years because he's only played a combined 73 games in these last two years, and he hasn't returned since that initial injury, which I guess the Lakers, in a way, trying to you rush can, I mean, if you, if, let's say, and I'm not saying the Knicks, but if you traded with the Knicks, the Knicks are going to have to give up, like, Julius Randle because it's got to – the contract's got to match. They're going to have to – the Knicks. Basketball I'm just, I'm just saying, Julius Randle, and the Knicks are going to have to still give away – Four first-round draft picks for Anthony. You're not going to just get him. They're not just going to give away their all-around, you know, youngest and best player. I mean, I know he doesn't have any value right now, but he's still a great player. Yeah, but he doesn't have any. Listen, he doesn't have any value. He doesn't. He's been hurt and all of that kind of stuff. And then if you trade him, it's taking on a max contract. Is he worth a max contract? Probably not. Well, he is already under a max contract. I think he has four years left on his contract. Yeah, because they, they... But, that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying. What yeah. team is going to take that on? I, I just told you the Knicks would be definitely one of them. I mean, they've got the money. Um, I, I I could see well, Knicks, Miami. Be... Miami could. Yeah, Miami's not going to do it because then they not they don't have the spot for it. They have Bam out of bio. They're not they're not moving on for Bam out of bio and take on a guy that is always hurt. Bam plays every night. I mean, Knicks make sense. This will hurt your feelings. And you'll get mm. mad. But again, they have to pay the dummy tax to get people to go there, right? No one is voluntarily going to New York without other players there. That's, that's just what happens. So maybe if they trade for someone, maybe they could attract some other players to come there and be part of, you know, 
a core of people to build around. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we were saying too, like Anthony Davis really hasn't gotten that in his career yet where he's gotten that kind of leverage as a top player. I want to go get this guy. <sighs> well, we were talking about Bradley Beal as a possible free agent. We were talking about the other trade with Donovan Mitchell too. Donovan Mitchell makes a lot of sense for the Knicks because he wants <laughs> to go there. But That's it, the only reason. We were saying like neither of those, neither of those two players, Mitchell nor Anthony Davis has ever had the leverage of, uh, picking and choosing like the guy that they want to play with too, as their one, two punch type thing. Davis had that with LeBron, but that was more of a LeBron leveraged thing more than anything else. Right. And then, and then the other problem remains if the Lakers are moving on from Anthony Davis, who are they bringing in? Because listen, they're taking a lot of shit for this season. Yeah. So, you know, LeBron's going to want to bring someone in that's going to perform. Who's going to come in that's going to replace Anthony Davis? Honestly, and I said this, Jeff, LeBron has one more year. Next year is his last year on that contract. Uh, you know when Bron- Bronny's going to play one year in college this, uh, after, next year, and then he's going to go into the NA- NBA draft. And, and, Bronny already, and, and LeBron already said that he wherever his son goes, he wants to play with his son at least a year. So... I, I think what I would do if I were the Lakers this offseason, I would trade LeBron. I would. I would trade him and try to get as much picks or a much, you know, as much as I can possibly get back for him for one year that we're gonna you are gonna lose him because you're gonna lose him the year after anyways. Right, yeah, no, I I wouldn't have a problem with that. You yeah. know, he's old and he's kind of a bum now anyways. Oh, he's not a bum. No, he had a fantastic season. I mean I he had one of his he had his best year of his career. He had his year. second best scoring season of his career this I mean, year. He's kind of a bum. Oh, come on. He's not a bum. I, I wouldn't go that far, Jeff. Jeff, you know he's had a great season, and he's not a bum. And if he went to a team, like if he goes back to Cleveland with that team, mm-hmm. I, I mean. Kevin Love's trying to recruit pro- him back. Right. The problem you're running into is you're like, oh, he's had a great season. No, no, he hasn't. He's been hurt most of the time. That's no, he played healthy this he's year. Played, he's played 56 games. Yeah, he played healthy for this a 37-year-old year. is and when it impressive. Mattered, and when it mattered, he didn't show up. Well, I mean, he, he wanted all these young, these old players on his team, and that was and the problem. When it mattered, he didn't show up. I don't believe that. I mean, there were a lot I mean, of games where he was what, the only one who did show up. Yeah, I mean, it's what happened. All you're, right. You're like, oh, I don't know if I believe that. Man. All right, he played they, in how many like games? The playoffs, 56 the games. He played in 56 games, and with him in the Look, lineup, they've won 33. So, Look, the, the playoffs were on the line last night. Where was he? On the bench. All right. And they still might have lost with him in too, because they've done that too. Because they weren't making the playoffs, dude. Because he's on, there's a lot of games where he's thirty. He gets thirty. They were not. thirty-one, ten, and six, and the rest of the team does nothing. Russell Westbrook struggled. Anthony Davis is in and out with the injuries too, and even his season this year has been down for his standards. And too. not only was he on the bench last night, he even walked off early when it was clear they were going to lose. He walked off. All right. Didn't he? Well, I I think that there are there are teams out there that will take LeBron for one more year. I mean, how about the Celtics with LeBron James over there? With, Don't even mention. I'm just it. I'm just saying. Problem. I mean, I'm just saying LeBron James could be the missing piece to help them win a championship. Don't, uh, don't even think I'm about just, it. I'm just I'm just telling like you it's the truth. You're nonsense. I'm so sick of your nonsense. nonsense. My, that's not nonsense. It's true. You know, no, one's, no one's even mentioned anything. How about the 76ers? Like How about the 76ers? That's where I thought he was going initially when they went I, to I the mean, Lakers. The 76ers, James, they don't re-sign James Harden, or they they, re, they sign and trade, trade James Harden to the Lakers, and you bring LeBron in there with Joel Embiid. I mean, and the players that they have over there. You, I mean, LeBron is going to make everybody around him better. I mean, go, trying to win a championship with the 76ers. 
So that could happen too. I, I mean, I it, there's a couple of teams that make sense. You know what I mean? Where where they're one player, one great player away from being a championship team, and it makes sense him coming back to the East. The East is still yeah. a winnable. You know, a winnable place to win a championship. That's or, why the Cavs rumors are getting all so much traction now. No, it makes sense. He, yeah. going, him going to the Cavs again, I I could see that happening. He still owns his home over there, yep. his house over there. I mean, uh, you know, his his wife, you know, has her business. So she has one of her businesses over there, and she travels over there. It makes sense. He could go back to oh, Cleveland. Yeah. Especially now with Kevin Love trying to push for it. Remember, Kevin Love, it looked like he was going to be traded. Yeah. He get traded. So I mean, it makes sense. Kevin Love would have to be involved with that trade. I mean, if LeBron goes over there, but he, but they might even the Lakers might even just buy him out. He might even go back. So it's just a matter of the contract. I don't think the Lakers are buying him out. They're going to want something for him. They're not going to say, "Here you go, here's a championship. Here you go." They're not doing that. They're going to they want could. something. There, they're not. But they, they could though, because you know, like if they're just going to get what they can get for him, they could just hand some team like a, a championship. Well, maybe, but I, I, I think they're going to want something for LeBron James. <laughs> I I I can't. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's only worth what. But he's only worth his value. His value's diminished as well, right? Because you can't sit there and say, "Oh, well, his contract runs out," and then he said he's going to go wherever Bronny's going. You go. don't think he, you don't think he, value. You don't think he's going to get to if the Cavaliers want him. You don't think they they're going to get at least two or three first round draft picks. They definitely for LeBron? are, and they're going to get Absolutely. two young players. They're going to probably get a Coro and. Like Garland or something like that, or yeah, Colin Sexton definitely. if they bring him back or something like that. Sexton, yeah. Sexton, definitely Sexton. They're 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 gonna have they're gonna give up at least five pieces to get him. Uh, absolutely, no. absolutely, no. absolutely, Jeff. Considering the year he had this year, it, again the injuries. Yes, they were. You put him on Cleveland with this young team, with the core team that they have right now. They're a championship team. Not to mention all the Easy. pieces they got from the Nets too. Like they have, they have so many pieces Easy. they could trade. You pull LeBron James with those young players right now, and you only have to trade Sexton, who's not even playing right now, and maybe one guy that is playing. Sexton, Okoro, maybe a, and one three of the first big round draft picks, like that. yeah, and three first round draft picks. Right. That will seal the deal for him, and you can win with that team. No one's no one's gonna make that deal because he's only gonna be there one year. Doesn't matter. All right, one year, one championship. Cleveland would love that. To win a championship one more year with him there, why wouldn't they? And then who's and, and who's to say that uh, Cleveland doesn't try to trade up to get Le- LeBroni? Because Bronny, we don't know how good Bronny's. Yeah, gonna we be. have to see how he plays. So we don't even know what his draft value is going to be. We don't know what he's going to be. Right. You know, Bronny will be a first round draft pick because he's LeBron James' son. Exactly, son. But he he could be like a fifteenth, seventeenth pick. And right there, sitting there, Cleveland, they could say, you know what? We'll give up this piece just to get Bronny. So LeBron He's not going to be a 15th or 17th pick. You don't He's think not so? even an NBA player. Really? No, he stinks. You think Bronny's? He stinks. A, you don't think Bronny's going to make it to the NBA, huh? Well, he just might Dude, also be for no, a traction he'll, no, point. He'll make it, no, he'll make it to the NBA because um, someone's just going to draft him because they're like, oh, well, if we get him, we'll get, him, get his dad. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. He's not worthy of being an NBA player. He's on nobody's list as being like a top NBA player. Well, we have to also see like later on because it's tough to forecast the, the NBA drafts just because of the way the, the rule changes are with the G League now and these uh, these NIL rules, how they'll impact college basketball too. You wonder how, what kind of traction that'll have or where well, right he goes now, too. Right now he's the 34th na- nationally player of – of the country right now going right. and that's and that's before he's even played a college game so now you're gonna have all these other like so that's just high school rankings now you're gonna have all these people that could have gone like in the draft that didn't 
right? You're going to have, uh, look at all these Kentucky players that are like transferring. A lot of these Kentucky players, they didn't go into the draft. They're like, oh, I'm going to do one more year of college and right. things like that, right? So he's the 34th high school ranked player. Now you're going to throw in another 10, 15, 20 sophomores and juniors maybe in college. Yeah, top right? college players. So he's right. like the 60th dude. You know what that is? He's the second to last pick in the draft. Now, the other thing, though, too, he's is... He's a four-star player. I mean, that's... Right, so he's not even a five-star player. No, he's not. He's a four-star right. player. Right, so, that, so that's exactly the point. Everyone's like, oh, you're going to pick him with the 15th or 16th pick? You're high. He's not even the 15th or 16th best player in his in his class. But again, it you're could high. be a leverage point for a team to get LeBron James, though, too. Yeah. If they maybe that's didn't have a shot at getting is. LeBron before. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just a leverage point. That's it. Because the NBA is, is also very different where because players move around so often too and teams are built in so many different ways, a team with the 16th pick might have either lost all the other players or prepared for, for LeBron just to do that kind of thing and they might not have a choice. Because if they don't get LeBron and they, they purge these other assets, then you're screwed as it is. Or you might have a playoff team that maybe loses somebody else too and is pre- prepared to get LeBron where they might draft his son in the 22nd, 23rd pick just to get that kind I of I just thing. think he's too small for the NBA. Uh, for a guy, I mean, he's 6'2", 180 pounds. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to put on a lot of yeah, muscle he's, he's Never mind the fact that he stinks. Well, like I said, he's not his father. We all know that. No. I mean... Uh, his father is a special player. Right now, his father's 37, 38. He's averaging 30 points, eight rebounds, and nine assists. I mean, I mean, the guy, is in, he's not human, okay? Right. And so it, 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 if anybody wants Bronny in two years, they're only going to take Bronny because of his father. You're right, Jeff, because his father will still be at the top of his game two years from now. What do you mean I'm right? You just said he was worth the 15th or 16th pick in the I'm draft. Just saying, I'm just saying teams might draft him there. Teams they, might reach on no him of what they would allegedly no do. No one's going to draft him. You don't think, no okay, you don't think if the Knicks know they could get LeBron James, <laughs> they wouldn't draft Bronny? I guarantee. No, it's, it's the Knicks. The I, Knicks I, 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 that's fine, but I, I could see the Knicks absolutely doing that. They, they would draft. If they're sitting at 15 and they say, you know what? We bring Bronny here. We get LeBron. You don't think the Knicks will do it? Or if like a team no. brings or has a, has a free agent that's interested in playing with LeBron that are already on their roster or something like that, or they make a trade for it that says, I, I want LeBron. Now, granted, that's technically tampering, but we know NBA players, they talk anyway, so it's not going to really make a difference. I guarantee you if the Knicks are drafting at 15 two years from now and Bronny is still on the board, the Knicks draft him. I'm telling you, I could see it. Oh, I absolutely could see it. I could see it. I absolutely could see it. It's not a lie because the way the Knicks think is, hey. Flashy we, moves. Yeah. We bring LeBron here. We have a young team. We have R.J. Barrett and somebody else there. Maybe a Donovan Mitchell there. You know what I mean? We can win a championship. All we got to do is win one, and then we won't win for another 70 years. I mean, and you just bring LeBron for one year. And we have Bronny. He's not going to be worth anything two, three years down the road. Right. But it brings us a championship. Teams have done worse, and I think the I could see the Knicks doing that. I could absolutely see the Knicks mm-hmm. saying I could see the Celtics doing that. I could see the Celtics doing that too. So, no, the Celtics aren't desperate. Okay, the Celtics aren't desperate. Okay, they aren't desperate. No, really? they aren't. They're they're not in a playoff. Uh, they're not in the in like the play in tournament. That's what I mean. Not the playoff. The play play in. Right? They're not desperate. They aren't. They have a really good team. They they do. 
Is their team the way, re- ready by, to win now? And by the way, did you see the guy who you said isn't a good defender is a finalist for the defense, defensive player, Marcus Smart? Oh, You're like, oh, he's not a good defender. I didn't but say he was not good. I, I'd say, I, I said think he was saying he wasn't the best defender he's in the league. He's not the best defender in the league. What are you talking really? about? And now he's a, 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 he's good. a finalist for defensive player. I'll tell you what, Jeff. I'll tell you what, Jeff. I'll tell you what, Jeff. by the way is what? The best defensive player in the league. I'll tell you what, Jeff. If Marcus Smart wins Defensive Player of the Year, I will come out to Tampa and I will take you on a whole night's worth of drinking, okay, on me. Why wouldn't you make it something that I want? What do you want? Uh, not you visiting me. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, really, what do you want? No, I, listen, I don't care about, about winning anything or whatever. You're like, he's not the best defensive player. He's not. And by the Okay, well, he's a finalist so? for being the best defensive player in the league. That, that so doesn't. That, that's fine. He's not the best player in. A, he's not the best defensive player in the league. And 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 if he wins, what is he? He's the best defensive the best player defensive, in the league. Right. So he this year. So you're. Yeah, but it, and it changes year to year, anyways. All right. So I, I'm telling you, he's not winning. So. <laughs> so he could. He very well could. He's a finalist for defensive player. That's of the year, great. Which, who who else is the finalist? Um. Oh Jesus! Why didn't I see this? I just saw the Marcus Smart part and just kind of skimmed over it. Player of the Year 2000, 2022. And what is it, Speedy? NBA. Why do you always take so long, Speedy? I can. Marcus turn. Smart is actually the favorite. Yeah, he's not winning it. If you, if you Rudy Gobert, Giannis. Jared Jackson. No, it's Marcus Smart, Bam Adebayo, uh, Mikhail Bridges, and Rudy Gobert. Those are the four. And Marcus Smart is the betting favorite. That's not what I see right here. I see. Really? I, you want me to send you the article? Sports, no, I, 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 sports, I'm reading it. Sports, all right. The Sports Geek. Okay. The Sports Geek 2022 NBA Defensive Player of the Year odds and predictions. Marcus Smart, the favorite. Okay. Uh, so who is it? It's Smart. Adebayo, Bridges, Gobert. All right. Um, I'm going to bet out of all four of them, Smart doesn't win. Okay? He's, he's the betting favorite. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> and, 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 dude, first of all, what does that mean? It means the entire world thinks he should win. You know how close Vegas is to these things, right? Like, Vegas is usually right about a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. aren't they? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and he's at plus one twenty. Bam out of Iowa at plus three hundred. Okay. Well, we'll see if he wins. You should have bet me. So. I don't. Yeah, but I don't care. But the, uh, mm. about you know, all right. All right. if it happens, whatever. Like I said it, you said it's not even close. All, right. all of a sudden, here I, he is. All right. all right. We'll see because if he wins. you don't watch enough Celtics basketball and see how terrific he is on defense. Okay. He's a terrible shooter. I think the Boston Celtics should cut off his hands so he's unable to shoot the basketball. No, because then he can't play defense. <laughs> no. That's, no, no. Absolutely, Je- that's absolutely not true. He can either try to block shots with his stump and he doesn't have hands to take charges. <laughs> Je- Je- Jeff just wants a uh, like a conveyor belt system. Every offensive possession up, take your hands off. He's just put him, in, put him back up, grab him again. <laughs> I honestly wish basketball was like hockey and they had line changes and like as soon as the Celtics got possession Marcus Smart could just run off the court and they could bring Derek White on that would be actually fun to watch actually 
That would be fun to watch. I, I don't know, but that that would be fun to watch. Basketball, like you, you, you could line changes and everything. That would be fun to watch. I feel like there'd be like so many like so many guys on the court. You see a lot least, of like oh. you see like uh, like you, you know, but that's gonna have to be some kind of offsides or something. Yeah, no, like too many guys on the court or something. Like that. There'll be plenty of like that free would throws. be fun. That yeah. would be fun. Actually, I never even thought of that. Uh, you know, a penalty. Because well, you have a squirrel brain, it doesn't work. Like Shut that. up, you idiot. Anyways, thank you, Jeff, for calling the show and making me just want to choke you even more. Thank you. Yes, always a pleasure to hear from you, boys. And Speedy, did Michigan win tonight? <laughs> no, they did not. Tyler, by oh, the way, Tyler says he wants to take you out for a drink. Dude, he can go pound thing. <laughs> He's been he posting things. He needs, a, he needs a drinking partner. Maybe you should come out here and meet him up for a drink. But this is, this is what's funny, right? He's at home posting he needs a drinking partner. Meanwhile, I'm just getting home from dinner and drinks with friends. Like, maybe if he had a friend and wasn't an absolute lunatic, maybe he'd have someone to go have a drink with. Yeah. But instead... You know what would be really funny is if you, you tell him that you're like somebody else and you meet him for a drink and you just pound him, you know? <laughs> I already told you. I see that kid in, in, in real life. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm just swinging. <laughs> well... It's not even close. It's not even close. That's Jeff that from Tampa. less than any. <laughs> Jeff from Tampa, ladies and gentlemen. And Michigan still lost three two <laughs> in overtime to Denver. Life is good. That's that trash university. They're just constant bridesmaids, right? Like con- they're going to be like, oh, we made it to the Frozen Four. What? I wonder how many banners they'd have if they, if they were like Indianapolis and they just hung up their runner-up banners all the time. <laughs> Yay! Semi-finalist in football, Georgia just scored again. <laughs> Yay, semi-finalist that. in hockey, Denver beat us. Yay. Jeff, thank you. Did Villanova just make another three-pointer against them? Oh, dude, it, they, like, they're just decent enough to be relevant, and they never win anything. What a trash university. <laughs> An absolute abomination of a higher learning institution. They can go pounce into it. Jeff from Tampa, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Awfully quiet from Carl, I hear. Carl's not on he's anymore. Probably asleep. Yeah, he's probably asleep. He's not on. He's got work tomorrow. Anyways, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you to Luke Renton for joining us at 3 o'clock in the morning over there in England. Also, Rob Maraska for joining us. Uh, Matt Sky, uh, really, really appreciate everything. Uh, we will be back next week on Tuesday. Uh, listen to the Weekend Crunch at 7 p.m. No, we're after the Islander game. This is the last week we're after the Islander All game. All right, so after the Islander game at 10.30. So stay tuned for us after the Islander game live on the LI News Radio or iHeartRadio if you don't live around here. Um, again, I'll be, we'll be back next Tuesday. Check out the Errol Marks Sports Factor on YouTube, which we'll be promoting it and everything like that. So definitely check it out. We'll be talking all different clips of different sports topics. So stay tuned and check it out uh, as we will be back next week. Good night, everybody. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.